Hello everyone, welcome to Kill the Cast. My name is Jerry, and joining me as always, the ever-quotable Jay. I keep telling you, no quotes for Horror Coliseum. You should get better at your job. And the silent homebiker himself, <laughs> Kenneth. Howdy. And joining us from a podcast by the cemetery, it's not in the cemetery, it's just right next to it, is the man Scott Crawford. What's going on, guys? Welcome to hell. Um... <laughs> So, Jay, how how you been? Uh, I've been pretty good. I started a second job this past week, so I think I've I've clocked 60 hours in the last five days, and Ooh. that's pretty tiring. But uh, besides that, pretty good. I actually succeeded in watching 31 horror movies for Halloween. I didn't think I was because I went on vacation for a week, uh, but I managed to, to get them all in there, so pretty excited about that. Look at you, killing the game. Uh, Kenneth, what have you been up to? Hanging out with the kids uh, is pretty much it. Uh, went to a Native American festival yesterday, which is pretty fucking rad. Um, other than that, a uh, whole lot of nothing. I hope you didn't give them blankets. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, no, I just walked in and was like, this is my affair now. Uh, Scott, what you been up to? Oh, not too much. Just uh, doing college homework and then and any free time I have right now, it's getting sucked away into Red Dead Redemption 2. Of course, you fucking cowboy. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and One of my favorite games from last generation. I had to get this one. Well, at least some people get paid, have the time to uh, to uh, play video games. I, I, I do not. I was playing I just video games, but my PSP screen died on me. Yeah, I've seen your and post about that. That fucking sucks. It's like the world does not want me to play Final Fantasy VII to give it a fair shake. Just does not want me to do it. So, either way. Anyway, uh, so we've got a couple things before we kick this off. Uh, first of all, since uh, everyone's throwing their hat in the Halloween ring, we're going to throw our hat in the Halloween ring. We're going to review the 2018 Halloween, and I'm going to let Jay go first. Yeah, it was pretty good. All right, Scott. It was good. All right, Kenneth. All right. I don't, I, did you just bark at me? <laughs> Kenneth is dead. I could have sworn he just said arf. I fucking lost my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, I man. lost my microphone out of 10. That's a pretty good rating. Hey, you want to start it over? Uh, I'd have to start everything over now. Oh, shit. Way to go. All right. That's no, funny. Leave it in. It's fine. Oh, that's great stuff. And yeah, I thought it was. I thought it, I thought it was good. Anyway, uh, so moving on from that least important thing to something more important. Scream Factory. Why are you fucking up so bad right now? Jesus. Uh, if, if you haven't been paying attention to any Facebook horror group, uh, Scream Factory has been fucking up and having shit happen to them, and they are not in good graces right now. So th- there's a couple of things. One. They're no longer letting any website except for Amazon take pre-orders, and Amazon can't drop the price during the pre-order time. They can only drop it afterwards. Uh, Which so, is bullshit. Yeah, so places like Bull Moose and Diabolic are not allowed to put a pre-order up for Screen Factory releases. 
It's so fucking... It, there's got to be some kind of law against that. Uh, probably not. Um, and there's they're not giving a real reason. They're 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 saying it's something behind the scenes and they just can't talk about it. So no clue what's actually going on. Amazon's probably buying them out or something. Uh, eh, I have no I clue. Hope not. I I think they're trying to get more people to just pre-order directly from them, which leads into the next problem. Uh, when you pre-order through Scream, you're supposed to get your movie. Uh, two weeks ahead of time. That has not been happening for the past couple of releases. Uh, the Halloween Steelcases, Creep Show, uh, Night of the Demon Steelcase, it's not been happening. This one is not fully no. their fault. Uh, the only U.S. plant that did Blu-rays shut down, so everyone is having to do it through a bunch of different other factories that are not in the United States. Not completely their fault there, but the problem is they weren't transparent about it from the get-go. They waited until everyone was like, why the hell haven't I got my releases? It, people from Amazon got their releases before I did, and I pre-ordered through you for two weeks extra. Um, yeah, because I didn't even get an email until like the day that it was supposed to be hitting the streets. Yeah, exactly. It was a big, big problem. Uh, the third one is, is when you pre-order through Scream, you get a poster or a lithograph. Um, which a lithograph is just a fancy poster. Um, and they've all been coming in damage. And not from shipping. It's from how they're being packed. Me and Scott can both attest to this because, uh, Scott, you had, what, Creepshow and Out of the Demons come in messed up? Yeah, Creepshow was creased and Night of the Demons was basically crushed. Yeah. Uh, and for me, Halloween 3, uh, Night of the Demons and Creepshow all came in damage for me. And uh, they're so, like, flooded with emails right now that it's taking them, you know, almost two weeks to reply to people. So... Yeah, because I think you and I both got the reply, like, in the same day, but I think we both sent them out, like, right after we got our packages. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's been a lot of shit. Hopefully Screen Factory can fix these issues. Um, They said the pre-order issue with delivery date should be fixed by the time... 2019 pre-orders start coming in so for the rest of the year they could still be late so critters box set there's a good chance you're probably going to be late um same oh, steel man, case i want that box set probably going to so be late. Uh, i've got the creep show box set pre-ordered through scream so hopefully fingers crossed everything comes through all right uh the posters seems like the easiest fix just quit having uh Whoever, whoever you hired, I don't even know what joke to make about the people you hired because I don't want to <laughs> offend, uh, like stone teenagers because I feel like they still could have done a better job of packing right. these posters than what Scream Factory is doing. So I don't know who's doing it, but wow, they are just shoving them in tubes and wrecking them. So Scream Factory is going to take a big hit, uh, for the end of the year because they are they are fucking up. Yeah, there are a lot of people that are swearing them off for quite a while now. Yeah, well, that I mean, seems stupid over a few. Like, I understand, but they still put out some solid releases. So getting rid of them or swearing them off completely, like, I feel like that's only going to last as long as it takes for them to put out a, an exclusive that somebody actually wants. And then they're like, oh, maybe it's time to give them another chance. No, I, I agree with you. I feel like a lot of people are jumping the gun with, oh, my God, I can't believe you're doing this. And, and a lot of it's like them blaming them for the delayed deliveries. There's also something that Scream Factory couldn't help in that. There was nothing they could really do. Uh, the right, so it's not like I needed that movie right then. 
And considering how well that Scream Factory has done so far, every company deserves a fuck up every once in a while. Yeah, they just right. happen to have like three fuck ups in a row. Well, you get what I'm saying. I mean, they all have happened like right at the same time, you know, so it's like every, give them a pass. I mean, shit, they're putting out some badass movies that otherwise, you know, we probably wouldn't get or we'd have to order them from the UK. Very right, true. Exactly. So that's that's it with Screen Factory. Hopefully they fix their shit. Um, so last before we jump into this horror coliseum. Uh, we haven't put out any episodes since, like, the beginning of October. And October's a hard month for us to record anyway. Uh, both my birthday and my goddaughter, a.k.a. Kenneth's daughter, her birthday is the same day as mine. And then I have a horror convention I go to. So it's a hard, like, and those are literally two weeks, two weekends in a row we cannot record. So it's really hard for us. Um... But this one got even harder because I went to the hospital uh, the Thursday before my horror convention. Was it? Th- I think it was Thursday. So, uh, okay. So, here's what happened. Uh, my anxiety came back full force. I couldn't take it. And I had a bottle of Xanax pills. And I was just about to go to sleep. And I'm talking perma-sleep. Like... I wanted the anxiety to just stop. Well, while I had the pills in my hand and I was looking at them, trying to make a decision, um, my mom called me. She had that mom telepathic fucking fire starter shit. And she texted me right at that moment. And so I called her and I told her what I was doing. And she took me to the emergency room and I got uh, put in the hospital for that. While I was in there... It turns out I'm diabetic, so I can no longer make diabetic jokes towards Jay. Uh, (laughs) That's my secret, Cap. I'm always diabetic. (laughs) I went in there with my blood sugar level while I was, when I got admitted, was 535. Uh, A a normal one is in the, like, 80 to 120. Holy shit. Uh, Yeah, they said I was, like, two, three days away from a diabetic coma. So, ironically... My my attempt at suicide saved my life. Um, so, with that being said, I was then kept in the hospital the entire weekend. I didn't go to the horror convention. Uh, it took them a few days to get my uh, heart right and get my blood sugar down. Uh, Kenneth even came by and saw me, and he was pissed off because they wouldn't let anyone stay in my room for longer than 15 minutes. Yeah, it was bullshit. I was just like, <laughs> I was thinking about it, and I'm like... What is the worst fucking thing to do to somebody that fucking, you know, is going through what Jerry was going through? Let's leave them by themselves in well, fucking that isolation. That actually makes me feel better because it, um, I seriously contemplated renting a car and driving from Chicago down to <laughs> to visit you and then mean, trying to ser- drive back in time to catch my plane home. I mean, seriously. I mean, it, it was just fucking stupid because it's like, I, you know, you couldn't just sit in there and <laughs> Because Jerry was sleeping most of the day anyway. But you couldn't just sit in there and fucking hang out with him or something. So I'd go back there, fucking hang out with him for a little bit, and then go sit in the fucking lobby for like an hour, hour and a half, and then go hang out with him for 15 minutes or so, then go sit in the lobby for an hour and a half. I mean, it was just fucking, it was just fucking stupid, man. Yeah, uh, that is weird. And, and I'm being watched 24-7. Like, there's someone they wouldn't even fucking let him have a pillow. Yeah, they wouldn't let me have a pillow, so my neck hurt for like a week after that. Wait, What? Yeah, they wouldn't let me have a pillow. I was not I allowed guess, to have a pillow. I guess oh, they thought that he was going to try to smother himself with a fucking pillow. 
Yeah. That's physically impossible to, to do that. That's exactly what I was thinking. Especially when you're being watched 24-7. If I was going to kill myself, I had enough... I had a fucking needle in me. I could have done it with that. There literally was a chick, no shit, either a chick or a guy, sitting in a chair across the hall looking at Jerry the whole time. Yeah. I would have had to talk with them. And and the girl that was out there, I talked to her. She couldn't look at her phone. She couldn't read a book. She couldn't do nothing. She All she could do was literally sit there with her clipboard and stare at Jerry. Wow. And uh, that's crazy. So... Sunday morning, finally, they uh, transfer me to uh, the mental hospital facility. And uh, you know when they transfer serial killers and have the chains around their waist so that they can yeah. handcuff their wrists down by their side? That's what they did to me. And I had to ride in the back of a cop car. Are you I, serious? Yeah. I had, I, and I was not taken out of the handcuffs and chains until I got admitted into the mental facility. So what the fuck? Uh, then I just had to sit in a room for like an hour until the uh, psychiatrist could see me. And then I had to spend like 45 minutes convincing him I wasn't suicidal. And it was just I didn't know I was diabetic and my sugar was all high. And that was what was fucking me up and making me crazy. And so he finally like let me go. But he kept like assuming I was there to get like benzos and xanax and shit and i was like Aww. i literally have fucking 28 pills at my house i don't <laughs> Did need you, you read to, the notes <laughs> yeah i don't need you to give me xanax i've got that and uh, and like if i was going for drugs there's much cheaper ways to get drugs and go to a hospital yeah. right um so he finally agreed to uh let me go but he was like if you if you mess up we're both in big trouble and i'm like dude if i mess up i'm dead so it'll be all right. So he ripped up my court order and let me go Sunday. Uh, and then I stayed off. Uh, I was not to be on my phone for like two, three days. So I wasn't really on Facebook or anything. Um, and since then, I've been just trying to get used to this diet. Um, I've got to go back to my old job because I can't perform at my new great job that I had uh, while I'm trying to fix all this. Um, and depending on the side effects of the medicine I'm on that make me, uh, that make my IBS worse than it already is. If it doesn't calm down, I I, like, I might, I may never get to go back to that great job I had. I might have to like continue to work where I used to work until I can find something better I can do that will accommodate my IBS. Um, so yeah, my life's been, uh, my October fucking sucked. Um, but we're back, we're here, and we're here Hell to yeah. the fucking Horror Coliseum. And happy, uh, four years to kill the cast. Uh, yeah, congratulations, guys. That's awesome. Four, I'm super stoked. Yeah, four years ago, uh, today that we're recording this, this Sunday, we made the page for Kill the Cast, and like in this upcoming week, Jay and I recorded the first episode and put it out. Uh, so November is our anniversary. So happy four years to us. I don't know if we're going to do an anniversary show just because we've got so much to do and catch up on that. I don't know if we're going to have fucking time. So I'm considering Friday the 13th part five versus a nightmare on Elm street five. Uh, the dream child, our anniversary show. So Ooh, hey, I feel special being a guest. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so with that being said, we are going to get into this. We, uh, continue our Freddy versus Jason with the part fives 
And uh, as always, I'm going to go in an order. And then when we get to Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm going to flip that order just because I can. Uh, so we are going to go. Uh, I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm going to let the guest go first. Last show, I made a bunch of jokes about not letting the guest go first. But this time, I'm actually going to do it. So, Scott, open us up with Friday the 13th Part 5. What did you rate story? Uh, with the story, I ended up rating that a 7 out of 10. Because this is a, a continuation of Tommy's Tommy Jarvis's storyline, which is just great. And just the new location and like the whole uh, him still seeing Jason, but is he really there or not? That just that whole storyline that made it uh, worth a seven out of ten for me. All right, Kenneth, I gave it an eight. I mean, uh, and pretty much for the same reasons. I liked uh, I liked how they brought Tommy back. Um, I liked what, the direction they went with it. I liked the fact that we're out of Camp Crystal Lake for a change. Um, you know, I liked all of those things. I you know, and uh, believe it or not, I actually like the fact that, you know, uh, I didn't when I was younger, but I do now. I like the fact that it was a different Jason. And, you know, I think about it and I wonder to myself where it would have went had we not zombie Jason in part six. That's true. Jay. Uh, I gave it a seven. Same, <laughs> same things. I fucking love Tommy Jarvis. I've always liked Tommy Jarvis. And, uh, this is the second movie that continues his story. So, yeah, seven. All right, I gave it an eight. Uh, I enjoy the twist, and I enjoy the story it brings. I, I I like the idea of someone being ashamed of their son and keeping him a secret all these years, but still keeping tabs on him. And then when his son gets brutally murdered, uh, he's he he breaks and he dresses up as jason Voorhees and goes and kills people it's 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 a very interesting thing to look at someone who we went from pamela Voorhees, who loved her son so much and her son died in an accident she took revenge to someone who was basically ashamed of their son but always kept tabs on them uh and we don't know why we don't know why he did that if he was just he was like oh no i'm an alcoholic and a shitty father i'm just not gonna do it or or what the reason was um Maybe he just couldn't deal with with his son, who obviously has a, a a slow mental process, and for him to, you know, have his son killed, and he has to take his son out, and then having to realize, like, I wasted all this time not being with my son to going crazy, and then taking up the mantle of fucking Pamela Voorhees' son. And that that mother son thing, and now doing the father son thing, and killing people in the name of Jason, I I think that's an interesting twist, and I think it works well with the theme of Pamela and Jason. Uh, and it's also uh, fun when you rewatch this and you know that it's Roy, and you just see all these things that clue you in that it's Roy the whole time that you would never pick up if you didn't know it was Roy. Right. Yeah, like the look on his face, the mad as fuck look on his face right after he sees his son all cut up. Yeah, it's it's great. It's really yeah. clear after that. <laughs> the, the camera lingers on him, too, giving you that hint that, yeah, there's something about this guy. Yeah, exactly. All right, so now we move on to character development. And we go back to you, Scott. What you got? 
All right, for character development, I ended up going with a 6 out of 10 because, honestly, like the only true character development I really see is uh, Tommy Jarvis again and a little from Reggie the Reckless. But other than that, the other characters, like they brought in a lot of characters that were just a lot of throwaways for the body count, and the other ones just didn't have a lot of screen time. So I, that's kind of why I gave it a 6 out of 10. Fair enough. Kenneth? I gave it an eight and, and, and I kind of disagree because I feel like, I feel like the, the character development for a lot of the characters is in their personalities. Like you've got the, uh, you got the kid who, uh, who tries to convince his love to the one girl, but at the same time, he's a, he's a horn dog. Um, you know, that kind of stutters just a little bit. You got him and you can tell his personality right off the bat, just by the, just by the way he, by the way he is, you know, his development is in himself. Uh, the the development is in the kid that gets hacked up, the one that hacks him up. Um, you know, you can you can tell just by their personalities what kind of people they are, and I actually I actually like that. Um, and the reason why I think it is a little bit more useful in this movie versus the other movies where you where you've just got you know your typical jock, and then you got your typical this and your typical that for a slasher movie. It's different in this one because they've all got you know mental issues, and so. It, it it goes into a deeper realm in this versus the other movies. And uh, that was the reason why I kind of I, I kind of went that direction with it. And then, you know, you got this little badass Reggie the Reckless and then you got his brother Demon and you can kind of tell what kind of person he is. And then the grandfather and so on and so forth. I mean, there's a lot more there than just what's on the surface. And uh, I actually appreciated that. So I gave it an eight. All right, Jay. Uh, I also gave it an eight. I'm kind of in the middle of you guys, even though it's the same score as Kenneth. Uh, I feel like the most character development actually came from uh, Roy, right? That's the guy that turned himself into Jason. Yes. So terrible with names. Yep. Uh, and Tommy. I loved I loved Tommy's. I love. We get to see somebody living with basically PTSD. Um, I don't even know if we knew what it was back then. But basically he's living with PTSD. Um, and he's dealing with a situation that mirrors the one he just went through that caused his trauma in the first place and then of course all the stuff with Roy fighting out about his kid and and seeing him go from someone who just wants to help all these people to like fuck it they're all gotta die um and then the little stuff in between like Kenneth mentioned is good but I do think that most of those people were there just for the body count but uh overall I really love what they did with uh the main antagonist and protagonist all right, so I'm actually at a six because I think it gives the image of being deeper than what's on the surface, but it never actually goes under the surface. You you don't know why any of these characters are actually in here. They never do any any backstory development of any of them. Yes, you do know their personalities. So and and most of my points go into that. You know each of their personalities, and, and you know them well off that. But you don't know why they're in there. I feel they miss the mark on every single character. For everything, I don't, uh, like you just said, Tommy reliving the situation. He doesn't relive the situation until the very end of the movie when he actually sees Roy as Jason. But before then, he doesn't know anyone's dead. Besides uh, the, like, uh, uh, Joey dying. Like, other than that. Well, like, okay, that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. He, he knows nothing about what any of that's going on. I feel that they could have went a little bit uh deeper on all of these almost if they would have had like 
a Nightmare on Elm Street 3 roundtable, uh, no bullshit in this room kind of thing. Just to give a little bit more development to each character. Uh, something that Nightmare on Elm Street 3 did kind of a good job on. That they could have done here that to me they did not do. Uh, I, I don't think they developed any character whatsoever. Uh, they they spend more time focusing on random kills that don't matter. And they kind of skip over the character development to me. Right. Uh, so so I, I don't... I'm at a six on that one, and it's mostly for the character and not for the development. Um, Kenneth, do you have anything to say back to that? Do Do you feel like I like? I actually had a question. Okay. And then maybe I can flow into into saying something back. But I actually had a question. Um, and I was I'm sorry. I was kind of I, I, you know how I've always got the movie going. So I was looking at something while you were talking about that was, and thinking was, about all of it at one time. Were you looking at titties? Don't no, actually, I was, Never before he's his titties. I was looking at I was looking at that scene at the beginning where Tommy, as a kid, is seeing Jason come up out of the grave. Um, but uh, uh, the question that I have is where you were talking about random kills. All right. I've thought about this a lot while I was watching this movie and I'm going back and forth and maybe y'all can help me with this. I could be right, could be wrong. I don't know. But. Does it feel like that each one of these kills is somewhat linked to some kind of aggravation with Roy or not? Because if you think about it, okay, the the two kids that are that get killed at the uh, with the car broke down, yeah, the, the greaser, greaser, the greaser looking kids. Yeah. All right, they talk shit about the kids at the mental hospital at the at the at the mental place. Okay, and then. It just happens that Roy's there, so that's the reason why I'm kind of kind of back and forth about this. The same thing with you know the 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 mean old bitch that lives next door, Dam and her son. They're constantly talking shit about him. You know what I'm saying? And then Demon makes a crack at some point in time about him. So everybody that gets killed with the that that doesn't have a direct link of being there, you know, like the dude that runs the place and all that shit. Each one of them makes some kind of fucking snide remark towards the towards Pinehurst itself. So, well, there's only one that really didn't, and that was that stranger that came up to Ethel's house and was working for food. But I think he was just more a uh, victim of circumstance and was just he was in the way. Ended up there, yeah, yeah. He was there watching them too. So, so, here's my theory on that. I think that was Roy trying to throw the scent off of him if he only killed people at Pinehurst. It would be easier to to load to the cops to go. Okay, the only people dying are right here. If he kills other people randomly, it throws off the scent. So I think I, to me, I think Roy's being smart, and it's not him killing them because they talk shit. He happened to be walking by and heard the greasers talking shit. I think he was out just you know hunting, so to speak, to find random kills, just like he did uh, with uh, the driver of the bus that dropped off Tommy and his girlfriend. Um, and I, I think those are to throw off. So sense. it just kind of, ha- so like I, like I asked, it just kind of happens to be happenstance that, you know what I'm saying? They, they all talk shit, but he's just kind of covering his tracks. Yeah. It's just Roy being smart I got as you. fuck. I got you. That's cool. Uh, because you got to think he doesn't kill his paramedic buddy until the very end of the movie when he actually goes after the Pinehurst people. 
Because if he would have killed him in the beginning because, you know, he talked shit, calling them a bunch of pussies, uh, it would have directly linked to him. So he waited until he went after his actual revenge before he did it. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, that's the reason why I just why it was mainly a question because I wanted to get you know another opinion on it and 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 see you know what y'all thought. And then the other thing that I was going to go back into about the characters and stuff like that. I I mean, I don't feel like that they were stale. Like for some reason, like the like the girl that's really into music. You know what I'm oh, saying? I don't I just, think they're stale. I just don't uh, think there there's any actual development besides their person. Like you know them based off their personalities. Uh, so the character is there, but the development is not. But like I was saying, I mean, it's like like the chick that's really into music, man. You know, I feel like that that chick is into music because she's masking over something else. And the reason why she's there is because, you know, she's not only trying to get a chance in the real world, but at the same time, you know, she's trying to get past that, but can't get past that. You know what I mean? And so she she stays dive into her music so that way she doesn't have to so that way she doesn't have to fucking go but into the real world. So and pissed off at the same Kenneth, time. you're actually probably right. But this movie doesn't do anything to present that in the story yeah. whatsoever. Right, it does, actually does the brain filling in the gaps. Right, but that's the reason why I gave it an eight because you know that's me. Oh, yeah, so, that song she's dancing to is fucking awesome. Is that Oingo Boingo? I have no idea. I just I love it. It's so like eighties. Because if it is, they also did a song for fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Oh wow! Yeah, they did. Uh, but yeah, but that but. I'm with Jay. You can make up whatever you want to make up, just like I made up the Roy killing uh, people to throw off the scent. But the movie doesn't give you any background development. It doesn't tell you what happened. It doesn't even give you any any slight hint at why each of them are there. Except maybe Vic, because you can be like, obviously some anger problems there. Uh, And and Joey (laughs) just being slow. Uh, but other than that, they give you nothing. And cause a lot of these kids seem so normal. Like it, it to me, it only it feels like they were just like, well, just make sure they're, they're mostly attractive except for the few losers we need. Otherwise make them all hot. Even Tommy looks like a goddamn model. He right. Took off his well, shirt and I was after like, after fighting hey. off Jason, he got fight. He was like, "Well, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna get jacked to learn kung fu." Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I I feel like they just really missed the like they did great at giving a personality to each character, but they completely missed the mark on developing them because even more so because of where they are. So, yeah, because I I feel right. this just has way too many characters to focus on them all, unless you wanted to like extend the runtime of the film by the way it was not oingo boingo the name of the band is pseudo echo close enough oh. uh okay so now we go into pacing and editing uh it goes back to you scott uh with pacing and editing i mainly focused when i gave this rating on the pacing and i gave that an eight because there is like not much downtime at all before things just start ramping up this movie was just really fast paced from beginning to end I completely agree there. Kenneth? I give it a seven. And I mean, because to me, I feel like it fluctuates. I feel like that, that there's moments, um, there's areas where it's just kind of like bam, 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 bam. And then it's slow. And then bam, 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 bam. And then slow, like a shitty cassette player. Okay. Jay? <laughs> uh, I gave the pacing an eight. I thought it was 
I thought it was good. It was nice. To me, it was nice and even the whole way through. Uh, right amount of story when we needed it. Uh, right amount of death when we did. Um, enough body count to keep you entertained. So I gave it an 8. I also gave it an 8. I think it's super solid. Um, I think anytime it gets to the point where I'm right about to, to be like, all right, let's do something, it does something. Uh, so f- for me, this, this one's. I don't think there's a lot of explanation. This one just gives you the goods uh often enough that it hides a lot of its its downfalls by hey here's some titties hey here's some kills hey here's a joke <sighs> good old the titties. best titties in the series uh yes yeah uh, we move on to atmosphere scott all right atmosphere this one i was struggling with i ended up going with a seven but i'm honestly not really sure why now that i'm thinking back on it uh because yeah there was some you know cool kind of dread feeling moments in the film but there other than that it really wasn't too much like ethel and junior kind of made it a little bit lighthearted in the same way so yeah i don't know why i went with that for atmosphere but i did give it a seven out of ten all right kenneth i gave it a seven also i mean there were moments again you know there were moments that i thought were really creepy like uh you know for some reason that scene where demons in the shitter is always creep me out i don't know what it is about it but it's always got at me. Um, and then there were there were other ones, you know what I'm saying, that were that just gave me that creepy vibe, but not so much to where, you know, the whole movie, you know, I felt fucked up at the end of it. So I gave it a seven. Okay, Jay. Uh, I gave it an eight. I uh, I thought it was great. The, uh, the atmosphere of a, uh, well, not really a mental hospital, but uh, basically a psych, a psych ward cabin. <laughs> Uh, was pretty good. I've been in similar situations, so that felt right. Um, and I felt the parts with uh, Roy as Jason uh, with the killer were, were done really well. And overall, there's really nothing to complain about. All right. Um, I gave it a six. Uh, I like that the air of mystery is back. But with so many fake outs and so many like just over-the-top uh, moments, it's... It's kind of like an American Giallo for me. It uh, tries to have that mystery, and there's a lot of crazy shit happening, much like a Giallo. But it has this American air about itself that it's kind of hard for me to explain. But the ways it goes over the top versus the way a Giallo goes over the tops are completely different. And the only way I can describe it is this is the American way. Uh, it's it's literally about to like pull out a gun and eat like and in like seventeen foot longs, just because it can. Mm, seventeen foot longs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so because of that, it was kind of up and down for me. So I gave it uh, a six. Um. I don't really have much more to say about it than that because I don't even understand my American Giallo theory here, but it's there, damn it. We move on to scenery and set design. Scott. All right, with scenery and set design, I ended up giving this an 8 out of 10 because taking it out of Camp Crystal Lake and putting it into a home for, like, wayward teens or young adults was an interesting interesting and cool setting. And then uh, you also have... uh, the what I thought was kind of hilarious, the trailer park that had a sign that just said trailer park 
with <laughs> no trailers, the van. And uh, then you have, you know, Ethel and Junior's place, like just and the diner. Like all four of those different locations were all pretty cool and unique to uh, the Friday the 13th series. Fair enough. Uh, Kenneth. I gave it a seven because uh, I really, really liked it. But at the same time, I was irritated because I wanted to see more of it. You know, I like the fact, again, I like the fact that we're not in Camp Crystal Lake. I thought that was cool. I just wish we could have explored the area of Pinehurst a little bit more. I wish we could have seen more of it. But uh, other than that, I mean, I thought it was cool. So I gave it a seven. I, it lost us three points because I wish we could have saw more. Okay. Jay. Uh, eight. Scenery and set design was eight. It looked uh, it looked fantastic. Everything looked great. It, uh, I don't really have anything else to say after that. Okay. Uh, I also came in with the classic hand job at a seven. Uh, and it gets a seven because there is a doc, uh, there is a Godzilla versus the Thing poster. And uh, Mike, Mark, whatever the fucking doctor's name is, or who the guy that runs the place. Uh, there's Godzilla versus Thing poster, so therefore it gets uh, a seven. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even notice that. Yep, if you look behind his head, there is a Godzilla versus the Thing poster. There's also a picture of a walrus, which uh, Toho also made a movie involving a giant walrus monster called Gorath, but I doubt that's a link there. I'm pretty sure it was just a happenstance. There's also a picture of John Lennon. There is a picture of John Lennon, but I hate the Beatles, so I didn't care. But I love Godzilla. A man after my own heart. Yeah. The Beatles. <laughs> Fuck the Beatles. Uh, I like the Beatles. I don't like John Lennon by himself. He's dead now. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I was worried he's going to listen to us and be like, oh, what the <laughs> fuck, Kenneth? <laughs> well, not going on that show. Yeah, for a way to blow our chances at getting John Lennon. Jesus, why don't you go read Catcher in the Rye, asshole? I just may do that, fuckface. <laughs> anyway, we go on to acting. Scott, what you got? All right, for acting, I ended up giving this a 6 out of 10. Uh, nothing really wrong with the acting, but nothing that really stood out either. Uh, probably the best uh, acting performance would have to go to Reggie the Reckless, because he was just great throughout the whole movie. But every other character was... Okay, nothing expect uh, spectacular. Agreed. Uh, Kenneth, go ahead. Hand job. <laughs> Ooh, for those who haven't figured out, the hand job is a seven. Yeah, classic hand job. I mean, classic. I mean the the you know the I I kind of agree. <laughs> Reggie the Reckless was great. Um, you know, and, and it kind of went back and forth with people that I thought that could act fairly decent, like the guy that ran the place, because I've seen him in other shit. And so, you know, uh, there was some acting that was decent, and there was some of it that is, you know, it's it's pretty much on par for a Friday the 13th film. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I mean, so. Uh, where are we? Uh, acting, eight. I gave it an eight. Um, I love Tommy and Reggie, and Roy, I thought all of them were pretty spectacular. Everyone else was nothing to complain about, so I didn't really feel like I needed to deduct any more points than that. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm also throwing in the classic hand job. I gave it a 7, just because it's nothing to blow you away, but it gets the job done, and once again, I enjoy when the acting is, is right down the middle to where it does not take me out of the story. It's not so good I'm blown away by the performance, and it's not so bad I'm taken out of the movie. Um, and shout out to Demon 
for just giving the performance of a lifetime when those enchiladas hit. I'm just saying. <laughs> yep. And he good. also gave me the song that I use when I'm in the bathroom. Oh, baby. Oh, <laughs> baby. <laughs> All right. Now we move on to special effects. Scott, be myself. All right. Special effects, I gave an eight. Mainly for all the aftermath gore on all the kills. The effects for that were really well done. And like that's kind of really the only type of effects you get in this film are the kills. There's no other unique thing that really truly stood out. But yeah, the especially, uh, what was it, the uh, kill done to Deborah Voorhees out in the woods. That was just awesome with the wet like when the boyfriend comes back and sees her body eyes gouged out that that just looked disturbing as all hell and then the one scene with uh i can't remember the guy's name but the one that stutters uh you see his body laying in the bunk bed and the lightning flashes and you just see that giant uh axe wound or a machete wound to the face that like effect looked really good yeah other than that that's about it all right, Kenneth. I gave it an eight. I mean, I thought, you know, I kind of agree. I thought, you know, everything after the kill itself looked pretty damn good. I mean, they did it fairly well. So, you know, I gave it an eight. I, it was nice. All right, Jay. Uh, so this is where my scores start to get a little uh, a little lower here. Uh, I gave the special effects a six, mainly because there wasn't anything all that impressive to me at this point. We're five movies into this series, and the slasher genre is in full swing. I expect better from a Friday the 13th movie if we're this many movies into it. And the stuff in this one didn't really compare to everything we saw in the fourth one. So I kind of gave it a six. Like, there's nothing, nothing was bad, per se. It just wasn't anything impressive. I like the flair to the face. Yeah, Yeah, that effect was cool. Then the fucking head pop from three. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that was. I'm actually with Jay on a six. I, I I feel like I probably should have went up to a seven. But while there's a there's some decent stuff here, there's also just some really bad stuff. Uh, the dancer girl, her kill, it 100 looks like a knife going into a pillow. It is it is bad. While there's a lot of good after makeup shots, those are really easy to do at this point in the game so there's a lot of like just missed opportunities and it's i there's a part of me that also goes maybe that's not my rating would be lower if i could see what the unrated version would have looked like because uh kenneth and i were talking about what's which movie got fucked by the mpaa more this one or part seven so kenneth i looked it up uh, this one, it was demanded that 16 scenes featuring sex or graphic violence be edited in order to merit the R rating, and it took nine trips to the MPAA before it could finally get an R rating. Damn. Yeah. And, and one of those, by the way, just piss all y'all off, uh, the Deborah Voorhees sex scene was three minutes long. Yeah. yeah. And I think, wasn't there supposed to be, like, full penetration or something like that the director wanted? Something crazy like uh, he, that. Well, he wasn't. They, there was probably no full penetration. He does have a background in in making sex films, but they wouldn't have let him do that anyway. Not in 1980. Uh, right. It's not fucking Caligula. Um, but I'm sure it was a lot more. Still need to watch that t- titty flop. Oh, Caligula is awesome. Yeah. 
Um, but so there's a lot of, like, and everyone knows about the infamous scene of the dance chick was supposed to get a, a machete to the crotch. Uh, oh. yeah. Uh, Ethel's yeah. kill. So was, it's the editing that I have to blame for my, my six on the special effects. <laughs> yes, actually. Uh, they edited down a lot of it. Like Ethel's kill was a lot more vicious. Like that machete went deep into her face. Uh, I wonder. Um, I wonder if the fucking footage is lost. At this point, I'd believe it. Just like part seven, just because it, with as many releases as they put out, you're telling me that it it had like if they had it, they they wouldn't have released it by now. I feel like they would have. Right, because yeah, I think you can find like. Uh, the images of some of these kills online, but yeah, you cannot find like any of the actual footage. Yeah, but who you? But we never know. Just like we're hoping for the footage from Event Horizon to show up one day, we continue to hope for the footage from Friday Thirteenth Part Five and Seven, uh, and every other movie the MPA fucked over the years. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I was at a six also just because a lot of great afterkill shots, which I really do enjoy. But at this point in the game, I would have liked to, like, if I'm talking special effects, I want to see it in motion. I want to see it in action. And there's a part of that that's not their fault, and that's why I should raise it to a 7. But, you know, on this show, we're not allowed to change our scores once we've started, so I can't. So I'm sticking with a 6. Next, we move on to the actual kills uh, and the gore we get in the movie. Scott, go ahead. All right, for this one, the score is mainly carried by the unique kills, which I gave a 7 out of 10 because, yeah, like, the on-screen, like, the you know, the on-screen kill, like, kills, there are very few. A lot of them either are cut away, like, right before any actual gore is shown, but the way these kills are done are pretty unique for the Friday the 13th franchise. Different weapons being used because, you know, Jason does love, well, Roy loves to use different weapons to dispatches victims like the the burning nod with the giant shears the uh the pole and the outhouse to demon the uh leather strap around the guy's head and tree and twisting it till it's crushed there's some pretty uh interesting ways of dispatching the victims it's just yeah the gore was left out and just shown as like an aftermath gore which that's why i gave it a seven out of ten gotcha kenneth I gave the kills an eight, and the reason why I did is because, you know, I hated, again, I hated the fact that we didn't get to see them on screen. But at the same time, I like the inventiveness of them. You know, like, that fucking, that scene with the leather strap around that dude's face, man, I mean, that was just fucking brutal. That's you know my favorite uh, Jason crushing a head kill. Yeah, dude, that's just fucking, that, uh, that, that's just fucked up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, you know, I like the fact of, of Junior riding around on his bike and getting his head lopped off, you know, yeah, while that. he's screaming the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that shit was fucking great, you know. So the kills themselves, I thought, were amusing and interesting, and you know, I hated the fact that they got, you know, they got fucking dumb, lightened up and dumbed down so much, man. I mean, because I think it would have been cool to see that chick get fucked by the machete. Um, you know what I'm saying? I mean. You can always watch Terrifier. I haven't seen it yeah, yet. Yeah, you can. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, for the inventiveness of them, the gore, you know, it sucks. Again, it sucks. But I like the inventiveness of, of some of the kills that were in it. So, you know, I gave it an eight. All right, Jay. 
Uh, I gave it a six, much for the same reasons that I gave the special effects a six. Uh, a lot of the kills are back to being off screen. Um, there are a couple of inventive ones, like we've all mentioned the strap, which I really enjoyed. Um, but a lot of it is back to like where we the, this mirror movie's the first. Oh, this mirror, this movie mirrors the first in a lot of ways, including keeping the killer hidden until the end, and off screen kills, and a lot of them just involving a knife. Um, so again, after four kind of sets the bar for Friday the Thirteenth, and five in this department anyway kind of lets me down. Um, and so I, that's why I gave him a a six. Gotcha. All right, I'm at a seven. Though once again, I wish I would have done an eight. Uh, the MPA really raped this movie on kills, so there's a lot of uh, off. <laughs> fuck me, off screen kills. <laughs> uh, but there's also some real. I love the flare kill. Uh, I love the shears to the eyes. I love the skull crushing with the belt. Um, and but th- there are a lot of just basic kills. But one of my favorite kills uh, is actually the uh, the chick who gets the axe to her stomach. I just really like that kill. It's just something about it. Just real. I w- like her just laying there with an axe sticking out of her. Is I just I don't know what it is, but there's a feeling to that. There's something magical uh about jason with an axe because he doesn't get to use an axe too often so it was nice to see it even if it is fake jason i'm taking it i'm taking my win on that right (laughs) um so but uh, like i said so there's some but there's but unfortunately there are a lot of off the screen kills so while there are a lot of good imaginative kills that's balanced out by how many kills are just uh standard stabbings and off screen or just a standard throat slit at this point. So I kind of wished for a little bit. It wasn't ba- balanced out very well for me. So next we move on to Monster Slash Killer. What do you got, Scott? Uh, I gave this a 7 out of 10. Mainly for the fact that Roy is pretty uh, pretty unique to the for Friday the 13th. Because he's extremely agile and likes to duck and dodge and jump out of the way when like when you know they're in the final chase scene and the way just his inventive kills and uh like even you know once again when we're getting hints that you know it's not jason is when he's actually getting wounded and he's actually you know holding his gut and not actually pretending to be jason when he gets stabbed in the stomach and he's holding each wound and like just the way he carries himself as like as jason without actually being jason yeah, you're right. When he, it's hard to pretend you're Jason when you get you know a chainsaw to the shoulder. Yeah, or hit by a freaking bulldozer. Yeah, exactly. I, I hate can... when I get hit by a bulldozer. Does that happen <laughs> a lot to you? Is that like yes. a Washington thing? It's like a weekly thing, man. <laughs> I'm like, wow, well, just cross the oh god. Wow, Jesus. <laughs> uh, anyway, Kenneth, I gave him an eight. I like I like Roy Jason. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he. I like the fact that he was still menacing. He had that anger about him. He had that inventiveness about him. But at the same time, the the just like y'all said, the vulnerability. And on top of that, him taking the vulnerability and combining that with perseverance. Because that was a normal, everyday human just with a grudge on his shoulder. And he took, like you guys said, the bulldozer to the belly, the chainsaw to the shoulder, and he just fucking kept going. So I, if I can't give if I can't give uh, you know uh, 
if I can't give Joy anything else, I have to give him that, uh, you know, perseverance. So I give him an eight. All right. Uh, Jay? Uh, I gave him a six. After our conversation on the other categories and discussing his character a little bit more, I feel like he should at least have had a seven. Uh, I initial viewing um i didn't like that he was off that it was it was back to part one where we only see like the hands and the feet for a long time i don't mind that he's not like jason jason i actually like that twist but i just wish we got to see more of him um as jason so that was why i initially gave it such a a low score but after talking about it and discussing his character more if i had to redo it it'd be be a seven at least all right fair enough um i also gave it an eight um i love how when when we actually do see him as jason how they focus on his eyes um you get like it's something so different uh from how you normally see jason uh, i absolutely love it and, and shout out to duncan Millie over at uh podcast under the stairs hashtag roy is my boy i love roy he is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, so, of course, he gets an 8 from me because anyone willing to take that much punishment for the revenge deserves an applause. So, next we move on to Hero. Scott, go ahead. All right. For Hero, this one I was a bit conflicted. I was going back between a 6 and a 7. But I ended up with a 7 just because in this in this one, I almost think Reggie, the Reckless, and Pam are the heroes because Tommy really does not do shit except for show up and get taken out of the picture right away until the very end. But it's just uh, the way Reggie uh, gets in the bulldozer and fucking nails Roy to uh, save Pam and uh, Pam using the chainsaw to fend him off. Like That right there gives that a 7 out of 10 for me, just the combined efforts of two heroes. Yeah. All right, Kenneth. I gave Reggie and Pam a nine. I mean, because I thought oh, they nice. were great. I did. I thought they were great. I mean, Reggie was awesome anyway, and I mean, you know, he 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 stepped up to the plate, you know, to to take care of his girlfriend, and and no, he did it. And then you know, uh, Pam busting out with that chainsaw. I mean, I I I thought they were awesome as uh, you know as the dynamic duo. I thought they were great. So. You know, I had to give him a nine because I thought they did really, really well. And I agree. You know, Tommy really didn't really didn't do shit at the end of it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he walks up, takes away the focus, gets slashed across the chest and then, uh, you know, climbs up a ladder. And that was and then knocked him off. That was pretty much about it. Yeah. Jay. Uh, I gave it a seven. Uh, I agree with you guys about Reggie and Pam. I thought they did great. I actually also felt that they were probably. Uh, some of the most realistic uh, final people, I guess. We can't really say final girls uh, for this one. Uh, final people in the way that they reacted. Like, Pam was still scared, as she should be when someone's trying to kill you, but she also didn't uh, didn't make really any stupid choices and fought back when it was time to fight back. Um, however, uh, Tommy being um, like pretty much a badass the entire time, like anytime anybody got in his face, he like fucked him up and then just absolutely freezing completely after calling Jason to him. Like the first time you watch this, you see in Tommy, he like gets him like, all right, shit's about to go down. And he's like, Jason, Jason. Then he just like freezes up and lets him attack. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Where's all your ninja skills? And so the overall category kind of loses points because of Tommy's uh, weird 
chains of uh, attitude at the end, but Pam and Reggie were awesome. Yeah, Tommy is the worst American Ninja movie. I'm glad you didn't make me watch the first one because I don't think I'd want to see Tommy as the American Ninja. Um, I don't think that's Michael Dudikoff. Oh, my bad. Uh, Okay, so Hero for me, I gave a six um, because I am tired of... Have a clear fucking hero. If Tommy's your main character, make him your main character. You could literally take Tommy out of this movie and it would not affect the movie at all. Right. That so so he's fucking out as a hero even though he's supposed to be the hero he's supposed to be the main character. Then you go to uh, Pam and and Reggie and they run the show. Fucking the movie should have just been focused focused on Reggie the Reckless, and I would have gave it a higher score. Uh, but the the splitting up of who is my protagonist, who is my main character, who is my hero, and this whole muddling up of it, I don't like at all. Um, this is actually my biggest problem with this movie is not, uh, being clear who your hero is supposed to be. Friday the 13th makes it clear who the hero is supposed to be in like every single fucking movie. And this one, they just could not do that. And it, it really does bother me. Uh, so it only got a six because at least Reggie and Pam, you know, saved the day. So, next we move on to score and soundtrack. Go ahead, Scott. All right. For this, I ended up going with an 8 out of 10. Uh, It's got a unique... uh, It's kind of, you know, still the same old Friday the 13th style song or soundtrack, but had some unique twists to it. And for a while there, I was going with a 7, and then the uh, last scene hit, and instead of the whole ki 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 ma 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 it was... Tommy, 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 which I thought that was kind of a unique little twist when I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that that was like the kind of like hint, like, oh, Tommy's going crazy. So it switches the song to saying his name instead, which I thought that that was really cool. See there, Jerry, I told you there was a difference in that somewhere. No, no, no. But that's only at the end of the movie, not at the beginning. Okay, because because I knew I heard that difference somewhere. I just couldn't remember. But yeah. I, I knew it was in there. I just couldn't. I was just like, there's, you know, not like when I was talking to you about it. I knew it was there somewhere. <laughs> so if I said it was at the beginning when I was talking to you about it, then I fucked up. But I knew there was some kind of difference somewhere. I will not accept any fuck ups from you. But <laughs> you will be perfect at all times. My name isn't Jesus. Uh, well, yeah, he's got a lot of holes in his story, too. And his hands, <laughs> oh, so. and, his hands and his feet. Yes. Oh, that was uh, great. So anyway, uh, uh, is that is that it from you, Scott? Uh, yeah, pretty much. All right, Kenneth. I gave it a seven. I mean, it was Friday the Thirteenth score. You know what I'm saying? There was there were some things, little differences here and there, but it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? I mean that that ending part of it, like what he was talking about, was really cool. But other than that, I mean, it was it was it was Friday the Thirteenth. True, Jay. Uh, I gave it an eight. I gave it an eight for that awesome fucking song that the chick was dancing to right before she gets it. I fucking love that song. It's so damn catchy. I need to put it on my phone now. Maybe I'll make it my ringtone. I don't know. But I really like that song. Um, Other than that, it was pretty standard. But that song sticks in my head. uh, So it really upped the score since we combined both the score and the soundtrack. Yeah, I uh, dropped it from an eight to a seven. I originally had it as, as an eight. But I took it down just because the score really does seem all over the place. 
Like, there's just certain times where the music just doesn't line up with what's going on. Uh, and it just seems like, even when you listen to the opening Friday 13 song, it, it seems like it's all over the place. It kind of just changes randomly. Um, it, it would just, It's just a little off from what I'm used to from a Friday 13th movie, and it didn't quite do it in the way that made it better, like the funky Friday the 13th Part 3. It just was a little too crazy. Um, I think uh, Hanfordini might have been on coke when he did this soundtrack. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, so next we move in to Scare Factor. Go ahead, Scott. All right. With the Scare Factor, I ended up going with a 6 out of 10. Um, mainly because this one's not really scary to me though it does like there is like the certain scenes like i talked about when uh the girl gets in bed and finds the the one guy's body just like stand there right when you hit see that lightning flash you see him that was kind of creepy um and some of the night shots with roy just stalking and killing were kind of creepy but other than that a lot of it was done during the daytime so it really didn't have that scare factor to it for me so i ended up just going with a six out of ten all right, Kenneth. I gave it a seven. I mean, there were elements that were scary. You know, uh, I brought up some when we were talking about the atmosphere, but other than that, I mean, you know, it wasn't it wasn't not scary, but it wasn't, you know, I'm I'm gonna have nightmares and pee myself and have PTSD and all that other stuff. So it was uh I just gave it a seven, you know, and I was being kind of generous. Fair enough. Jay. Uh I gave it a seven. Uh Pretty much same things. Um, we've discussed at length how uh, this category is one of the hardest for me. Um, but I felt like the creepiness of of Roy's Jason was good, and the setups for when he kills people was good, um, despite any of the other flaws that I've mentioned already. I thought at least that part was, was decent enough. So, seven. Yeah. So, I, I gave it a six. Uh, sex? I gave it a six. <laughs> Uh, because even when I put myself in the shoes of some of these people, it's hard to get terrified because everything happens so fast. There's no suspense. There's no real fear for a lot of these people. They just die so quickly that no one really has fear until you get to the Pam and Reggie running. Uh, other than that, there's really not that much for it to happen. And plus all the fake outs early in the movie put you on your guard pretty mm -hmm. early on. It, it happens a little too early. So I think that kind of really hurts the scare factor. So I, I could only give it a six. Next, we go into entertainment. Go ahead, Scott. All right. Entertainment, I gave this a nine out of ten. This is my third, third favorite Friday the 13th after Final Chapter and Part 2. I just love this movie, and I am completely entertained from beginning to end. Uh, I really don't have much else to say besides that because, yeah, it's just a lot of fun Wait, to watch. Do we have the same top three? Is your top three four, two, five? Yes, it is. So is mine. Four, two, five is my top three. That's because we have good taste. That's true. See, everyone needs to get like <laughs> me and Scott. Four, seven, ten. Uh, no one gives a shit about your opinion, Jay. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> Aw. Four years this whole uh, time. Yeah, the whole time it was a lie. Uh, <laughs> let me see you out to your car. <laughs> uh, that's an old joke on the show. Let me show you the roomy backseat. Uh, Kenneth, I gave entertainment an eight. I mean, it's it's entertaining. It really is. I mean, you know, it may not be scary or whatever, but it's one of those that, again, if it comes on the TV, I'm so down to watch it, and I'll probably 
after doing this show and talking to Jerry about this movie and stuff like that, this would be one of those that I would watch on my own if it didn't come out on TV just because it's entertaining and it's got the best hits in the series. That it does. does. God, fucking Deborah Boy, he's so fucking hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank God that other chick refused to do nudity. Mm-hmm. And she's still hot today, too. Yeah, yeah she, she is. is. She's still she's... really good looking. Deborah, let me see them titties. <laughs> Uh, he means that with all all due respect. Uh, yeah, well, you're a great actress, and I respect your craft. Now, let me see them titties. <laughs> right. All righty then. Jay, how do you feel about the entertainment in this oh, movie? Oh, um, titties, 10. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and entertainment was an 8. Maybe we should add titties as a category. <laughs> Just for this movie. You know, I'm uh, working on the new categories that'll happen after we finish the Friday the 13th categories. You can just throw nudity in there. And I thought about putting a bonus category where you just get to, like, pick something to give a rating to. Oh, that's you, good, Your yeah. own personal thing. Because uh, yes. I did, I was going to do nudity, and then I was like, no, let me not do that, because that's technically not needed in a horror movie, unless it's yeah, a slasher. That's uh, that's so Fuck what you say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that might happen with uh, the with the changing of yeah the, yeah of bonus the category I like that then I can get really funny with it if it's uh, yeah I like that okay yeah. anyway I gave uh, entertainment an eight uh, despite anything that I've said negatively towards it the movie is still very entertaining I will always be entertained by Jason killing people for an hour and a half um, it takes a lot for me to not be entertained by that and even though this wasn't Jason technically uh, it was still very entertaining the characters. Uh, the way they interact with each other, the little uh, quips, it's all very entertaining uh, through and through. All right, so I gave it a nine. To me, this is one of the most entertaining in the franchise. What it lacks in uh, a good, deep, developing story, um, like four or the creepiness of two, it makes up for with like a kill every fucking, uh, uh, I don't know, six minutes or something someone fucking dies or there's titties or there's someone cracking a joke uh reggie the reckless is great the entire time you get uh white boy kung fu you get a uh, punk rock demon he's fucking fantastic um it, it's just there, there's so much to just sit back and enjoy in this movie that it's hard for me to not be entertained. So it's a it's it's a it's a nine for me in entertainment. This might to me this might be the most entertaining of the franchise for me. Um, yeah, I could so, agree with that. So next we move into rewatchability. Scott, go ahead. All right, rewatchability. I also gave a nine out of ten because yeah, I can I can watch this like Kenneth said earlier. Like if it's on the TV, I would watch it. Like I would stop the channel and watch right then and there. Uh, but Almost every, like I watch my Friday the 13th, like most people on on Friday the 13th or during the summer. And this is almost always the one I go to first. I just love everything about this film that makes it so rewatchable with the characters and the kills and just like the way it's just done. And it's so fast paced. I I can sit down and it's it's just like kind of a shut your brain off of an, an enjoy movie. All right, Kenneth. Uh, I gave it an eight also because of uh, pretty much the same reasons as the entertainment factor. I mean, even though it's not my go-to Friday the 13th movie, because that will always be part seven, um, 
it's still really entertaining. I enjoy watching it, and I'll definitely end up rewatching it again. So it, it was a good one. All right, Jay. I gave it a seven. It's you know, it's not bad. It's not my. It's definitely not my most hated. It's you know, it's not even in the bottom there. So, yeah, I don't really know how to explain this. I would rewatch it a seven out of ten. <laughs> All right, uh, I gave it a nine. I think this is the one I rewatched the most as a kid. Um, I, I just absolutely love watching this movie. It's it's a joy. Uh, and this is why in the, when I'm talking about changing categories, one of the things I'm doing is I'm combining entertainment and rewatchability. Just like I'm going to combine kills, gore, and special effects. Just because it seems that when we talk about these categories, some of them are just too linked. So I, I kind of want to combine them and change some stuff around and add some add some stuff. But I kind of want to wait until we're out of the Nightmare vs. Friday series. Unless you as yeah. an audience don't care, then you know maybe I'll change it up. You have to let me know what you want on that one. Um, but I gave it a 9. So let's go into our last category, pop mm-hmm. culture. Scott, go ahead. All right. So for pop culture, I ended up giving this one a 5 out of 10. This one, heck, I could have probably went lower with this one because no one, like unless we're Friday fanboys or just fans of horror films in general, will remember Roy. They remember Jason. And the mask that he wears with the blue markings on it, I don't believe, like if you show that, people would just say, oh, that's Jason. No one really, like, like I say, no one really remembers Roy unless you're a huge fan like us. I think this is the first time Scott that you and I are so far off. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't wait to go to mine. Kenneth? I gave it a 10. There we go. That's what I'm and the about. reason why I gave it a 10 is because everybody knows this movie. And they know everyone it because... Everyone knows it, fake Jason. Yep, it's because everybody knows it for that very reason. Everybody knows it because either you hate it, you love it, you don't like it, most people hate it, and it's always because it's not really Jason. Everybody knows that there's one that exists in the series where it's not really Jason, um, and that's the one that gets talked about and debated the most next to Jason Goes to Hell. Yep. Jay. Interesting. Uh, I gave pop culture an eight. Um, I think the blue mask is actually pretty recognizable uh, as the one related to the guy who isn't Jason um, as much as his original mask. I mean, there's two, there's basically two main masks and then we get the, uh, then we get the, like the Jason goes to hell, big head and all that other bullshit. But uh, out of the main series, those are the two masks that people know. And one of them is related to the movie where it was someone pretending to be Jason, which is also pretty recognizable. I mean, when I judge this category, I kind of try and keep it uh, within the horror community in general, um, as well as general population. But I think, I think my, I think I'm pretty accurate. Also, uh, Jerry, I do have to say that I did my math wrong, and this is 110, not 102. Oh, okay. Let me fix that real quick damn it sorry i was just looking at it and then looking at the numbers like that doesn't seem right it's okay uh let me as for me um i uh i gave it a nine uh because whether you're a fan of friday the 13th a horror fan a jason fan a fan of movies or just random joe blow down the street everyone seems to remember there being a fake jason 
It's like the, oh yeah, the Halloween movie that didn't have Michael Myers in it, you know? It's it's that movie. It's it's much bigger than just like Nightmare on Elm Street 2 where everyone knows that is a gay nightmare, but only the fan base knows that. But in the Friday series, everyone knows fake Jason. Uh, whether, whether you're a horror fan or you're a guy who shops at Walmart at 2 a.m. for Mountain Dew, you know about fake Jason. Um, and so for that, I had to give it a nine because it is one of the standouts of the series. Um, cause to me it's, it's Kenneth brought up, you know, it being the most debated, much like Jason goes to hell, you know, and in Jason goes to hell, I don't think many people outside of the horror community remember or give a shit about that movie, but a lot of them will remember the time there was a fake Jason. So that is one that I absolutely think is super high on the pop culture list. Yeah, because I can see you guys' arguments on that. Because uh, I'm just going by like the, some of the people I know. Like I had uh, two people watching it with me last night when I was taking the notes, and neither of them like even realized that there was a fake Jason. And that kind Fair of enough. like that kind of gave me my reasoning for part of my score. I could, I, and that's understandable. Uh, but the, the whole good thing about Horror Coliseum is getting is hearing something that may change your mind or may think of something different. And I'm glad that you could come on the show, realize how wrong you are, and learn from <laughs> us. I'm so glad that could happen. Um, hey, I got to be the bigger man and admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> All right. So uh, with that, the scores for Friday are uh, Jerry, 109, Kenneth, 117, J 110, and Scott 109. So uh, Scott and I come in the lowest with 109. Uh, somehow Jay beat us. Even yeah, for your favorite movie. I don't know. I don't. I yeah, think you're crazy. wrong because I gave three fucking nines. Well, let me. I can. I mean, I can send Here. you more scores, and on the break, you could do the. Uh, you could do the math. But I'm not doing your fucking math. Well, I'm just. <laughs> we should your know math. Uh, and then Kenneth came in the highest with 117. So uh, Friday the 13th is coming in pretty strong there. Uh, yeah. Topping in those. Good. Topping in one the hundreds. So we'll see what happens. But oh, uh, you know what? You know what that means. It is time to get into a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Five. All right. So uh, I guess I get to kick this off. Uh, Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street. <laughs> Uh, five the dream child story i gave it a fucking four it rehashes the outside dream world uh from three and four but makes it way more basic uh god this story is fucking dumb and boring and uninteresting uh freddie is now able to travel into her dreams uh because she was locked away in her dreams but now that she's pregnant her fucking clump of cells, because they're not big enough to even be a fucking embryo that can fucking dream, can somehow fucking dream. I guess fucking, if I had a tumor, I could call it Belial from Basket Case. <laughs> um, and it can now dream, so Freddy comes back from that. And so we're going to rehash the nun story from fucking part three uh, and continue that, which at least that went somewhere this time. Um, and at least Freddy coming back didn't come back from dog piss. Um, 
but it was still just everything was so fucking stupid and why did alice lose all of her dream power she literally like couldn't kick ass anymore she couldn't fucking do anything she didn't do it no one did anything in this goddamn movie <laughs> jesus christ yeah. but the story just rehashes with a new twist and the twist is fucking dumb at least if they would have like made alice actually pregnant like it would have added you know more to it because it would have been like oh shit she's having to do all this shit with a baby bump but no they <laughs> couldn't do that it is a clump of fucking stuff so she could so, still get a goddamn abortion at this point wait let me add what do you mean like actually pregnant like the character because the character was pregnant yeah uh, he's talking she's about pregnant, showing but she oh, literally okay. didn't even know she was pregnant she hasn't even missed a period yet <laughs> okay she doesn't fucking she doesn't fucking know but all of a sudden but the fucking semen that fucking dan has uh, apparently is, he is a healthy young boy yeah, that healthy young fucking boy with her sex scene opening and fucking Smurf vision. God, yeah, that damn. was so freaking weird. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. Uh, and then she had to use a stunt double for her fucking nude scene. So fuck that shit. Anyway, okay, now I'm just getting out of control. Jake, go ahead. Story. Uh, so <coughs> I I I kind of agree with you. Um, it was stupid but it was stupid in the way that was entertaining. Uh, I give the story a seven. Um, I, I don't know. I liked learning more about uh, his mom and whatnot, but after, I don't really know if I can follow <laughs> your rant there. I don't have a rant full of positives <laughs> like that. I just, I just wasn't as bothered by the stupidity of it. Um, I like to view these, especially these movies, when we're, you know, fucking five movies into a slasher series. Um, I like to view them with a large amount of suspension of disbelief and don't expect them to be scientifically accurate. The movie tells me that this baby can dream, regardless of how far along she is. I accept that as the truth within the movie. Uh, so it was stupid. I 100% agree with that. I just found it way more entertaining than you did. Um, and so I didn't have as much of a problem as you did with it. All right, Scott. All right, Jerry, I'm right there with you. Well, not right there with you. I actually hated this story. This is the worst in the fr uh, franchise for me. No. I ended up giving this a two out of ten. This one was just so unbearable. Like every single plot detail in this was just so dumb. I, I just I felt stupid after watching it. Like I swear I lost brain cells. I was ugh, it was I I can't even think of things to say because you pretty much took them all when you were going on your rant. But it's yeah, like this... if Full Moon made a fucking Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Don't fucking goddamn yeah. do that to Full Moon, dude. <laughs> 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 oh shit <laughs> I had to mute because I started I laughed so hard I started coughing oh, <laughs> fuck I've had a cough since I got out of that I developed a cough in the hospital and I still can't fucking shake it uh, wow uh, okay Kenneth I gave it a 4 and the only reason why I got a 4 was because of the extension on the Amanda Kruger shit that was yeah, it same here. the rest of it was fucking dumb i was like okay I, I i'm gonna go back to what i the comment i made a little while ago at this point it had to have been the tadpole that was swimming up inside of her that was dreaming because there is no fucking way that at this point uh, the, the the child could be having dreams but that was semen one. can't dream kenneth 
See, I, mean, I know that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. That just makes it worse. And then, damn, you know, I just felt like this one was tr- the guy, the people that wrote this, and the dude that was directing it. I feel like that he knew he was just riding the wave of fucking three and four. And he was just like, oh, we're just going to put some dumb shit to fucking together and see if we can fucking make a buck. Well, because it was fucking stupid. I will say this. Uh, multiple people had their hands on the story in this. In fact, two different people take credit for the whole pregnancy idea. I, oh, um, good Lord. And not <laughs> only that. So this film was actually shot in four weeks and then edited in four weeks. That is insane turnaround for I like the movie looks way better than than being filmed in four weeks. I'll give them that, but yeah, that's some explanation to why the story is so fucking dumb. Uh, character development, I gave it a three because what fucking development? See, I barely know one thing about each fucking character. And in a movie where people are supposed to die based on their personalities, they literally went with the weakest three things for what little fucking deaths there actually are in this fucking movie. Uh, and then, they're, they're, what do we fucking learn new about Alice? Literally fucking nothing. The only person who has development in this whole fucking movie is between movies, and that's Alice's dad. Congratulations to him. Here's a fucking golf clap for cleaning up your act and not being a fucking alcoholic and being a good dad. I'm I, At least your son dying did something good for you. Um, but other than that, no one had any fucking development. I didn't learn anything more about Alice. I didn't learn anything more about Dan. I didn't learn anything about any of them. And the fucking only character I even liked was Yvonne because she was fucking feisty and I thought she was hot. So, uh, three points to Yvonne. Uh, Jay. (laughs) Uh, I actually agree with you for the most part. Uh, I gave it a five. So, uh, pretty, pretty bad. There is no real character development. The most of the development comes from actually learning uh freddy krueger's backstory and learning about amanda krueger um a little bit more in depth but you are correct there is no development you're right i should have given i should have went up at least a point or two because they did give development on amanda krueger which in theory gives development on freddy krueger i forgot i did forget about that i'll say that well you get to learn about him as a little fetus fetus krueger which that makes no damn sense. He's so he's a burnt baby now. Yeah, how does he's that a burnt fucking fetus? Yeah, how, how is he a burnt fucking fetus? Because okay, so listen, this stage. is actually pretty complicated, but Stephen Hawking covered it. When oh. dream mothers who have been locked in prison by their <laughs> dream sons give birth, it comes out as a burnt Freddy Krueger fetus. <laughs> you know what? That okay. that makes more sense than anything else in this fucking movie. So I'm gonna take it. Okay. Uh, either way, uh, I gave it a five because yeah, there's 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 nothing there. There's there's very little as far as the main characters go. You get a little bit at the beginning, a little bit at the end, uh, revolving around uh, Amanda and Freddie, and that's that's about it. All right, Scott. Uh, for this, I ended up giving this a four out of ten, mainly for the development for Amanda Kruger and Freddie. None of the other characters fucking mattered at all. Like they did, they didn't give you enough to even show any true development. Just kind of like personalities, but I don't look at that as development whatsoever. All right, Kenneth. I gave it a four. I gave a point 
<coughs> because of the chick's paparazzi joke when she was at her um, at her graduation. I gave it a point for the comic book kid because I liked him. I gave it a point for Amanda Kruger, and I gave it a point for the Freddy Krueger development. So I gave it a four. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, pacing and editing. I gave it a three because I feel like this movie is a fucking bore that just keeps repeating the same scenes over and over. And I get it. In a franchise, you're going to have some repeating stuff. But how do you take a, a, a ridiculous idea that I, I'm sure there was a way to make it interesting and just still repeat stuff in your own movie that feels like it's repeating itself in its own movie and not from the franchise. Like, your dream world looked almost exact every single fucking time. And we've been in the dream world fucking in in three different movies now, and they were able to change it up in different sets. Every single time, yours looked like a bland, dark, brown area. So that severely hurt the pacing because I just felt like it was repeating over and over and over. Uh, and so because of that, I had to, I had to give it a three. Uh, Jay. Uh, I don't feel like just, and I don't want to get too much into it. Like the last episode where we end up, uh, in a, well, not me and you, but we end up in a yelling match. Uh, but I don't feel like that's really fair in an unbiased way and feel free to debate me here, but, that's the same thing with Friday the Thirteenth, like not the not the set side of it, because obviously that was a completely different set. But it's it's a dude stabbing somebody off camera for an hour and a half. Like that's it's literally the same as the last four movies, and not even as good. So if that one, because to me pacing and editing comes from the story. Like they, it's it's like ninety minutes. I don't know what the actual time is. Ninety minutes, and they just they they line everybody up, and then they knock them all out. However you feel about the set and stuff, I don't feel should have any bearing on the pacing and editing score. I gave it an eight because it is stupid as the story is. It flows just fine. Like they set up all the characters and they kill them all off. That's all we need out of these movies. It well, one, it set up three characters and killed them off. So uh, not not a lot going on there. Uh, this movie is boring because it feels like like I brought up the set because. When I'm talking about repeating scenes, like I, br- I did bring up how in movies like these in franchises, we get a lot of repeating scenes. But I specifically brought up how this movie feels like it's repeating its own scenes over and over and over. Because okay, so that, much that's... stuff looks like. I think that might have, you just didn't catch that part or I didn't say it clear enough. But that's what I'm saying. The pacing is hurt because it feels like a lot of stuff over and over and over the exact same thing inside the movie. Uh, it didn't vary enough for the pacing to be more engaging. There's too many times where I feel like I felt like I just fucking saw this. And one of the great ways that we're doing Horror Coliseum by spreading these movies out where we're not watching, you know, the entire franchise in the matter of a week to do a franchise show is that we have enough time to decompress from the previous one while still having enough to be able to grab and touch that I can sit here and go... I don't, like, I understand repeating, like, 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 if I said, oh my god, they're going back into the dream world again, we already did this in fucking three different movies, like, that would be something just fucking stupid for me to say, and I would completely agree with you there, um, but for this one, just so I'm clear, I'm saying that the scenes inside the movie feel like they're repeating themselves, and... 
I'm not in, I would give it a pass if it was repeating things inside the franchise. But to me, the movie feels like it has scenes that repeat upon itself inside the movie. That's fair. That's, that's fair. I can give you that one. Okay. So cool. Uh, Scott. I still give it an eight though. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's okay, Jay. Yeah. We know you're wrong when it comes to Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Listen, I've done, I've done a really good job at li- li- looking at these movies unobjectively as possible for someone who's a huge fan of the series. I just, I, I'm watching this and overall, I think it's better than the last one for a few different reasons, but we'll get into those as we go on. All right, so we're doing uh, pacing and editing, correct? Yes. Yes, sorry. (laughs) That's all right. I just wanted to make sure I was on the right one. Um, I am giving this a 4 out of 10. This this was a chore to even focus on because this one, I kept getting drawn to, like, grab my phone and just look at it because there were just so many boring story elements to this that just kept uh, dragging it down for me. There wasn't enough i guess you would say action in this that kept my attention or even enough like intriguing enough story to keep my attention focused like this is when i ended up starting to text you jerry because i was just getting so bored just watching this yeah i I I feel you when i was watching i accidentally killed an alpaca and i don't even know how the fuck you do that in tennessee and yet (laughs) i did it i was so bored (laughs) but yeah that's pretty much all i have to say on that all right kenneth I gave the pacing a five. And I mean, the reason why I gave it the five is because the scenes where there was shit going on was really, really good. But in between the scenes where there was shit going on, it just drug. I was, I kind of feel like you guys did where I was just like, holy fuck, come on. You know, let's just get to the next spot. Cause I mean, it, I, I, I agree with Scott. It, it, it was a chore just to watch it, you know? <laughs> Especially because, I, I mean, I watched it this morning because I was putting it off and putting it off and putting it off anyway. And then I watched it this morning and I was wanting to go back to sleep when I was watching it. So, I mean, it was just one of those things. And, you know, it, I, I, it's, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's the in-between. I just felt like there was just there was just too much drag in between the action sequences. Yeah, because I just really wanted to... I was basically just waiting for the next kill. Right. I kind of felt the same way. Well, at least you got to kill every 30 minutes in this hour and a half long movie. <laughs> Right. God. It's definitely not that bad. <laughs> okay, is it an hour and a half long movie? Yes. Are there three kills? Yes. Okay, then. <laughs> uh, atmosphere! Uh, I gave it a one, <laughs> because there is none, and I didn't feel like giving zeros. That's all I have to say. There is no atmosphere in this movie. Uh, unless at- boredom's in atmosphere. If that case, a fucking 10. Um, so I don't have it a is. for no this 10. One. You heard it. Jerry <laughs> says it is a 10. Good job, Jerry. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, Jerry, wow, I didn't know you liked it that much, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, you fa- oh, y'all figured me out. I'm a Freddy fanboy. Uh, I'm a Nancy apologist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did y'all see this shit where she said she wanted to come, Heather Lampkamp wants to come and do another Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Please, no. God, no. I will start believing in a God just that. so I can pray to that God to make sure she doesn't <laughs> fucking act in another fucking Nightmare on Elm Street movie because I know I'm going to have to fucking watch it. 
to uh, fucking review on this show because it's Jay's fucking favorite franchise. So he's gonna be he's gonna pull his executive fucking card out and be like, "Bam, Nightmare on Elm Street, bitch!" And I'm gonna have to no, do it. I've actually got like I love that we do, uh, different movies that we don't like. I'm actually glad that we're doing these two franchises in a horror coliseum setting because it puts us separate from everybody else. So I'm actually good not not just diving into my favorite mass known everyone on earth is reviewed movies. Sweet, so I can remain an atheist and not believe in a god so I don't have to worry about praying for her to come back to be as Nancy. Yeah, right. and I, I honestly would have to get on the J bandwagon on this one because I would like to see it. Because I think that Heather Langenkamp's acting got better as she did these movies. You know what I'm saying? It, it sucked in the first one. It got better in the third one. And I thought she did a pretty damn good job in New Nightmare. Well, you know, if she can uh, keep her mouth closed in a new nightmare, maybe I'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, so. Bringing up New Nightmare, I have to say, my... Uh, that's saying something because my wife actually made fun of her acting in that movie and she never seen any of the other ones and she's not a horror movie fan and she was just like wow she's bad and new night let her watch one and three and she'll agree with me yeah if she watches one <laughs> she wants to see fucking how bad of acting that movie is filled with bad acting yeah oh my god bitch can't shut her mouth uh anyway so i had atmosphere as a one because i believe there is none and i don't want to give a zero Jay? Uh, I gave it a seven. <laughs> I did crap. <laughs> I just I just don't see the issues you guys are having. I think <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I'm dying. Did you watch Jerry's the same movie fucking, we did? Jerry's putting a curse on me, apparently. Okay, yeah, I know, but see okay, explain the atmosphere in the movie to me, because I, I legitimately try to find atmosphere and i could it wasn't even like the other ones where i felt there was atmosphere and i'm taken out of it because of fucking some stupid catch line i literally felt like there was no atmosphere in this movie i just i don't know man i just it's not i don't know i'm just now i'm trying to articulate this you got me a little shook here jerry (laughs) (laughs) um i just i just didn't it didn't uh like it seemed consistent throughout. Like there was, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how to how else to explain this. I just, well, I didn't feel that it didn't have zero atmosphere, like you said. Okay, well, like we'll uh, see. so. Okay, here, let's let's do it this way. <laughs> so the opening scene where she gets locked in there, I thought that was fucking phenomenal. Like, it was it was creepy. It was scary. She's locked in there with a thousand or a hundred or however many it's supposed to be, crazy people. And you know she's about to get raped by every single one of them. So that was like, the that's... only reason why I got the score that it got from me. And you'll hear it when we get there. That's fair. Um, but other than that, like uh, I don't know, it didn't feel any any worse than the other ones. I guess is is how I'm describing it, or how I feel about it. Okay. Uh, and so that's why, like, it wasn't amazing. Like, it's not like I'm not like, oh god, I can't believe the atmosphere. Um, but it also didn't feel any worse than the last four. All right. Well, Scott, what did you give Atmosphere? I gave Atmosphere a 3 out of 10, and that is mainly for what we'll be going into next with the uh, set designs because like, I thought the church and the asylum gave kind of a creepy atmosphere, but that was about it, and it wasn't enough to score it even above average for me. All right. Kenneth? 
I gave it a three, and it was just because of that, like I said earlier, that scene where, you know, uh, she's about to get raped by, you know, 100 dudes. That was it. Everything else I didn't find creepy. I didn't find unnerving. None of it. All right. All right. Scenery set design. I gave it a five. This is one thing that the series normally shines on. But I feel like they just reuse shit from the last two movies. And the dream world was so bland in this one. Like, I understand using so many dark colors. But at least in the last two, they found ways to to put some kind of color into it. Something to make it interesting. Something to do with it. And this one, it was like, the only time you had color was somewhat red with fire. Other than that, almost everything was like a rustic brown. Or when it was um, bleeding out of the comic book, dude. Yeah, or or they went completely black and white with the comic book and was like, let's do the old trope of having one color show up in black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just didn't like it. And so I gave it a five because I still do like this set of the church. Uh, I didn't care for the mental asylum because it literally looked like they just went to one room in the factory and filmed there. Um, and I, I, it, it, it didn't impress me at all. Um, it, it, I just, this might be the most disappointing thing to me in this movie because I've always rated the scenery and set design so high for Nightmare on Elm Street. And this is just fucking bad. I, I, I was truly disappointed in this this is like i'm not mad at you i'm just really disappointed (laughs) kind of situation so jay what do you got (laughs) oh boy um all right so i'm gonna caveat this with actually i would probably lower my score after listening to you uh talk about it filtering through your actual critiques versus just your overall hatred for the movie um but i gave it an eight uh, like I said, I'd probably give it a little bit lower thinking about the repetitiveness of it. I didn't really, my brain didn't really put that together. However, I liked the the set of the the room, the holding room where they kept everybody. Um, I really liked the dinner scene uh, with that, that model chick who got killed. I thought that was really creepy in the way that it's set up, um, especially since I already hate like rich people for the most part. Uh, so that kind of played to my my personal biases there. Um, I liked the, uh, I liked the church. So I didn't really, like you said, it's not as great as it has been in past movies, but I also, um, I also didn't really have a problem with it uh, for the rest of it. And there was a few things that stood out as, as really cool to me. Fair enough. All right, Scott. All right. This is probably, uh going to be shocking but the scenery set design i actually gave a seven out of ten get the fuck out of here (laughs) (laughs) and that's mainly because of the church setting and the mental asylum because i do like that drab looks like a factory style uh or warehouse style look because it's basically you know uh Looked just like it was run down and not well kept uh how are y'all impressed by one literally like it like, it doesn't even look as good as, like, the boiler rooms that we've seen in the previous movies. It's literally a giant brown room with a pipe in it. 
I yeah, I don't know. There was just something about it that I liked. Like, but I do agree. Like, this is definitely a lower score for the set designs than any of the other films because the dream sequences were all pretty dumb. Like, and didn't really have much creativity. The comic book thing was creative but terribly executed. But yeah, that's mainly the church and the asylum that gave it that rating. Like I probably would have went a little lower if I thought about it even longer, but yeah, that's what I went with. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Kenneth. I'm coming in with an eight. I liked it. And, <laughs> Man, so and the thing about it is this validated is... right now. Yeah. And see, the thing about it is, is I'm not, you know, the, uh, the <laughs> asylum, it looked cool. You know what I'm saying? The inside of the asylum looked cool. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't it wasn't fantastic. It didn't blow me out of the water, but it looked cool. The inside of the church, obviously, it looked cool because it looked cool in the last movie. Um, you know, so that looked cool. My biggest thing that I really enjoyed about it was I enjoyed I enjoyed the landscape matte paintings, like when she like when they're first going into the asylum and you see the outside of it. That's a matte painting. It's not it, it's not a real location, and I really really liked the way that it looked because. It, it 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 was a good idea for it, but at the same time, it gave it that old school movie look, and I really like that. That's true. And, I forgot about that one. Yeah, and and that is what got me that right there. That because I was just like I was kind of in the same boat as Jerry, where I was just like this ain't nothing but a you know rehash and stuff like that of the other things and stuff like that. But when they threw that one in there, I was just like, oh okay. I was just like this kind of steps the game up a little bit more. So I gave it an eight for that. I had something. I th- hold on. Let me look at my notes real quick because I thought I had <laughs> something about the matte painting. Um, yeah, so I really like matte paintings. Uh, in older movies, they work so well. I did not like it in this movie. I, the matte painting looked fantastic. Don't get me wrong. It felt really, really apparently a matte painting in this movie. Like, and that's the reason why I digged it. Why I dug it because it was like it it went in with like uh, the 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 old school special effects of like uh, and I, and I'll talk more about this about this but like when uh, when uh, the 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 diving board changes and shit like that that old school look for the special effects it went in with that I loved it yeah I don't know for some reason I was just like Jesus could this be any more of a matte painting but with me mostly liking matte paintings that could be just my bias towards the movie showing. Um, which is one of the reasons it didn't really get talked about by me. Maybe I identified that it was a bias. And when we do Nightmare on Elm Street movies, Kenneth is usually the test between Jay and I who's on our, on how biased we're being. Because Kenneth likes Nightmare on Elm Street, Jay loves Nightmare on Elm Street, and I don't like Nightmare on Elm Street, so he's a good middle person That's true. for me and Jay to go, how how much is our bias showing and we can kind of go, okay, where are we actually being unbiased or not based off what Kenneth says on A Nightmare on Elm Street? Works very well. That's why me and Jay get excited when Kenneth is, agrees with one of us. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're like, yeah, fuck you, I won. So Jay won that one because fucking Kenneth's a dick. <laughs> um, all right, acting. Uh, I gave it a four. This uh, franchise, is, once again, has a bunch of... Uh, bad acting. The comic book kid acting was awful. <clears throat> the model chick's acting was terrible. I'm coughing because I can't get over how bad Alice still is at acting. 
Um, I just don't like everyone was acting in this movie, which is kind of fucking awful, except for uh the the parents of the father of the child when they come over and they're like, "Look, basically you're insane, and we don't want you to have this child, so you should give it to us." That their acting was great. Uh, Jay. Um, I gave it a seven. Nothing too crazy. Um, I didn't, again, I didn't really have an issue with, I really haven't had an issue with the acting in general. The kid's acting was terrible. Um, I I don't know where they dug him up from fucking like a popcorn commercial or something. Um, (laughs) but, uh, overall I didn't really have a problem with anybody. It was standard for a slasher movie. So I kind of, I guess what I expect kind of, kind of goes with what I'm watching, um, and so in these kind of movies, I don't expect amazing acting. Um, and I thought they did just fine. You know, that little bastard was the same kid that uh, the uh, the scientist fucking went on his rant to in Jurassic Park at the beginning. Oh. Yeah, that's where he was from. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, he didn't have to act there either. He just had to stand there. Yeah, and look creeped out. <laughs> yeah, I'm real good at getting yelled at. My dad does it to me all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, Anyway, Scott, acting. Uh, I ended up giving this a 3 out of 10. Uh, like you said, the uh, Mark and Greta, they were just horrible. Especially Mark. His acting was just bad. Really, really, really bad. Uh, Alice, just really generic. Nothing really special there. The child actor was terrible. And... Even uh, Robert England just seemed like he kind of uh, almost was there for a paycheck and just kind of half-assed it. It didn't seem like his other performances at all. all but right. that's about it. Um, Kenneth? I gave it a three. I thought for the most part the acting was terrible. I mean, especially that little kid. Oh, my God. Like, that that, that scene at the end of it where where his face is you know half ass looks fucked up because Freddy's face half ass looked fucked up in this damn you know where he says uh, that that line where he's like teach me I was just like oh my god man I want to vomit this is awful um you know and 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 I completely agree with Jerry the only people that seemed like they had any acting chops was Dan's parents those were the only people in the entire movie. Everybody else was just awful. And the chick that played Alice, it seems like that she fucking goddamn lo- forgot how to act between the last one and this one. Right. I was just like, I got, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? And then she was, the way she delivered some of her lines to, I, I can't remember how it went, but like, let's go and stuff like that. I felt like I was watching fucking a goddamn shitty Transformers fucking cartoon. Uh, I was just like, what <laughs> the fuck, man? Damn. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was awful. You got a three for the parents and that was it. All right. We move on to special effects. Um, I gave it a six. Uh, I feel like they dropped the ball in this one, but they also didn't have that much to work with. Um, to be honest, the only special effect that I thought was cool and the reason it gets a six was Dan and the motorcycle because every yep. other special effect basically just looked like rough. Well, honestly, I kind of wish I could drop this score 
now that I think about it. But the motorcycle one was really fucking cool. Um, the comic book cut up, I thought was lame. Uh, her getting fed was fucking lame. Um, special effects wise, I don't think, I just think they were lame. I don't think they did anything really that great. Um, and Freddy's makeup looked fucking awful. Oh my God. Did they just not even care? I mean, seriously, fucking, it looked, it looked rubbery. It they looked, did it in four weeks. <laughs> it's always looked rubbery to me. I, it, well, it's not even that it looked rubber. It looked like, it, it didn't like, pop. It looked like a mask instead of looking like latex, foam latex appliances. Yeah, That's it looked, exactly what it looked yeah. like. It just didn't pop for me. It didn't have that like fucking evil look to it or burnt look to it. It literally was just like, well, look, we're going to color your head in yellow and put pepperonis on you, okay? Cool. The, Done. See, the, the way I saw it is it looked like somebody fucking damn just, you know, went to the fucking five and dime and fucking picked up a Freddy Krueger mask and glued it to <clears throat> fucking Robert England's face. Yeah, and, and the fucking long arm Freddy, like, there are shots of that long arm that look worse than they did in the first movie. Like, cool callback and all, but it's not good. But I will say, there were um, parts where Freddy is transforming and uh, growing from the fetus to full-size Freddy. That actually did look cool. Um, Some of it looked bad, but some of it did look good. I'm kind of in the middle here. I gave it a 6. I kind of wish I would have gave it a 5. But whatever, I gave it a 6. So, uh, passing grade, I guess. Slightly above average. Jay. Oh, man. Uh, I gave it a nine. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Fuck me. I fucking... Dude, so... Okay, so... And I kind of actually realized uh, while thinking about it, while why I feel like the pacing is so good, despite uh, there only being three kills, and that's because the kills take so much longer. Like, the sequences that the kills are involved in, the dream sequences, take so much longer to play out than just, like... Like, there's more going on throughout the entire scene than there is with, like, Jason stalking somebody. And then, like, the guy trying to start his car in in Friday Five, that wasn't entertaining to me. And then Jason shows up and kills him, and the kill only takes a little bit. And so, where there's more, there's a higher body count in Friday, in, uh, yeah, in Friday uh, and a lower body count in Nightmare, the fact that the kills take the sequences are longer makes it feel even to me. So that it kind of explains that now that I think about it. Whether you agree or not is besides the point, but that's just that explains to me why three kills can have the same decent pacing as as five or six or however many kills in uh, in Friday. 20, uh, that aside, what? There was like 20, 22 kills in Friday 5? Really? Uh, yeah, if you include the uh, three dream kills... There's like 22. Wow. Like that. Wow. Yeah. So that even goes more to my point that I didn't even notice there was 22 because Still not even two. a high as high of a body count as part four. Oh, I love part four so much though. Anyway, um, the fucking motorcycle transformation scene is fucking amazing. It's one of the best special effects in the entire series. In my opinion, um, and that image of him is always stood out in my head. Um, so I just, I can't praise that one enough. Um, I don't 
particularly care for the comic book one. I think I did a lot when I was younger, and some of that might still be lingering, but re-watching it, I was like, okay, yeah, I can see this is not that great. Um, I mean, I, I love comics, but it's just, I don't know, something about it was off. Um, but I've the overfeeding scene, I thought, looked fantastic to me. I mean, I, I don't really expect somebody with their cheeks puffed out like that to look anything any any way but how it looked so while you guys think it looks rubbery i thought it looked exactly how something like that would look i mean if you go back and watch any real any older horror movie where they're still using practical effects there are a lot that stand out is not very good <laughs> um but we still accept them because of when they were made so i didn't think that looked any any worse than any of the other special effects um I'll have to concede with you guys and probably should have lowered my score a little bit. Maybe I should start asking Jerry what he thinks of these movies ahead of time. So, uh, not in depth, just to get a bit. Well, so I, I'm really trying to keep my personal bias and love for this series aside so we can look at these more critically. Um, but there's a lot of the times where we go over them and I just, I miss some things because I'm just enjoying the film. Um, and so if I if I know what Jerry just look little bits of what Jerry is uh, notated, I can look and give it a more a better critical skill a score. I don't think I would have gave it as low as Jerry did, but I uh, I probably wanted to give it a nine after listening to what Jerry pointed out. I think it's my uh, highest rating. I think six is the highest rating I gave this movie. Probably, uh, but I I didn't feel like I like you said. I agree with you. Robert's makeup it wasn't it wasn't that great. Um, but I also don't feel like it was as bad as as you guys are saying either. So that's kind of where I'm at, and that's why I gave it a nine, but would have probably lowered it, thinking about it a little bit more. All right, well, Scott, where are you at? Uh, with this one, I gave it a five out of ten, um, mainly over what we've already talked about with the motorcycle scene. It, it looked like... Uh, uh, something that came from an H.R. Geiger painting, which was really cool. And uh, the other one that no one mentioned that I wanted to bring up was the final confrontation between him and Alice when they're stuck together and they're pulling apart. Oh, yeah. I really that love awesome. that effect. Okay, hold on. I got a problem with that. How does he still... How is... Okay, so once again, it's the souls inside of his body attacking him, Correct. Well, they're Escaping. pulling away from him, yeah. How? He already transferred them to the fucking baby. At least two right. of them, he's already transferred them to the fucking fetus. So how the fuck are they still in him? Yeah, that part I, I could not explain because, yeah, I my score is definitely not based off of that. It's based just off that effect between those two pulling apart. But We should oh. add writing. Uh, so isn't like, that in the story? story? Wouldn't that be no. in the story? No, because like you can have you can have a great story and have terrible, terribly written dialogue. So, just For shitty continuity. Re I'll, revamping I'll, I'll, it. I'll keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, sorry. I if I I always have all these notes for the nightmare movies because a lot of these are my like second time watch and I barely remember anything. So I I have all these notes. I've been trying to sprinkle those notes in with my questions more during the conversation than after. Uh, so I wanted, to, I wanted to bring that in. Uh, Jay, do you have any explanation to how the souls are 
ripping out of Freddy's bodies when he's at least transferred two of them to the fetus already? No, that's uh, that's just bad writing. Okay. Anyway, anything else, Scott? Uh, no, not really, because you guys covered it with uh, the comic book effect. Like like Jay, I think I enjoyed it more when I was a kid, <clears throat> even though this still wasn't one of my favorites, but being a comic book nerd back then, I thought it was kind of cool, but rewatching it now, ugh, no, it was not good. And then, yeah, the, the scene with Greta, that I would say she looked like... Uh, her cheeks were a puffed out ver her face looked like a puffed out version of a cabbage patch doll. That's yeah. like the best I could describe it. Like it, it reminded does not look me, realistic. It reminded me of the guy who gets really fat and explodes in Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Um though I will say if they would have kept the original version of that scene, it would have been much better because the original version, Freddie was feeding her her own intestines. Which is why later oh, on with the doll cool falls and her stomach is bleeding and all that it's because he had fed her own head just like the comic book scene was also uh bloodier the beheading in there was supposedly bloodier um God damn and yeah. supposedly the there was something more with the motorcycle scene but i can't remember what it was off the top of my head um but the mpaa made him cut it which is weird i'm like three kills and you make them cut shit Right, Get and they the weren't even it. that violent. Like, I actually remember the motorcycle motorcycle scene being longer than it actually was. Like, I was kind of disappointed when it was like so, already done and over with. In my research, I saw where it was saying there is an uncut version of this movie on VHS that has some of these elements, but everyone kept acting like it was like a mythical thing. That's and I'm like, if it exists on VHS, I'm sure. At some point, they would have at least taken the the scenes and put them as a bonus feature on one of the Blu-rays if they exist. See, I thought it was on the Laserdisc, but I could be wrong on that. Could be Laserdisc. I what I read was VHS, so and I didn't do my and I didn't dive deeper because I just didn't give a shit um, for me to try to figure out the answer. But either way, uh, Kenneth, what do you think on gave- special effects? I have special effects on eight because I thought the fucking motorcycle scene was amazing. I really, really enjoyed the old school um, claymation look of like when all the shit in the refrigerator went bad. Um, when oh, I forgot uh, about that and the diving board, the thing about that, when that, when the fucking, when it turned into kind of like a hand and it <laughs> had that claymation fucking, you know, kind of a Harryhausen look to it. I, uh, I really, really liked that. Um, the Greta scene, I'm kind of back and forth on because I really didn't like the way her face looked. And the fucking spoon on Freddy's um, uh, uh, index and fucking bird finger uh, claws, I thought was just fucking dumb. Um, I, I think it I think it really that right there in that scene, that's what took it away from me is when I saw that 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 just that we're getting further and further into the cartoony Freddy Krueger. Um, and, and, and it's really irritating. Um, but effect wise, I mean, the, the practical effects, they look fairly decent in that scene, even for that, even though I fucking hated the aspect of it, it looked cool. You know what I'm saying? That looking at it from purely not how it fits into the story or anything else like that, just the look of the effects themselves. They looked all right. They looked decent. 
you know, but the the motorcycle is what really did it. That was fucking great. And to me, I think that's what steals it. I would give the special effects an eight alone on the motorcycle because that was right. fucking awesome. All right. Uh, we move on to kill slash gore. And uh, I gave it a three because uh, these are the lamest fucking kills I've ever seen. And I don't feel like they tried. While the motorcycle looks cool, his actual death is fucking lame. It's a fucking car crash. That's it. He, it's a fucking car crash. That's how he fucking dies. So, like, the cool leading up to it is cool, but his actual death is just car crash. Uh, the overfeeding thing, I, I didn't... I don't like the feed them till they die thing. The only time that's ever fucking worked was in 7. Every other time I've seen it, I have not liked it. Um, I thought it was fucking stupid. And so in real the real world, she just fucking chokes and falls over. Um, and then the comic book kill was just lazy. I'm just going to fucking shred up paper. Really? <laughs> That's what you're going to fucking do? You're, you're super fucking Freddy. You could literally rip this dude. You could pick him up over your head like a fucking... A Mexican cartoon wrestler and rip him in fucking half, and well, you instead just go back to regular Freddy and just fucking make paper mache. See what would have been cool there though is if like when it pans out and he's like laying dead, if he would have actually been shredded to pieces in real life, that would have been kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Or but, if they showed like a like a single slash, like they when he slashes his stomach, they cut to him in real life and they see a chunk taken out of his stomach. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, instead, hindsight. In real life, a bunch of shit just fell on him and he died. The, the, the I just the, nothing about these kills is exciting. They're fucking lame. They're so goddamn boring. Uh, they're they're. There's no fucking imagination in them. Um, like I said, the only cool thing is the fucking body horror of the motorcycle and Dan combining. But then they it didn't pay off in his death. None of these pay off in the death. The other world, the, in, in all the other ones, fucking they pay off in the death. Tina is thrown a fucking across the room and is being fucking slashed up and fucking you know or uh kid with the fucking teardrop tattoo from the last one is inside his fucking waterbed like <clears throat> they could have done so many cool things in, in like the the whole thing of of a nightmare on elm street is how imaginative the kills are supposed to be even to, so it pays off against the one where Freddy just stabs him. I wish Freddy would have just fucking stabbed someone in this movie. That would have been more interesting than feeding someone to death or fucking cutting paper. I'm sorry, but the fucking kills in here are fucking just awful. And the only gore is in the motorcycle one. Uh, I give it a three and it doesn't it doesn't deserve any more. Jay, what did you give it? Uh, so, <laughs> um, so looking at it with the way you shaped the category for your reasoning, 
I might actually <laughs> I might actually agree with you. That's not how I rated it for mine. That's not how I view this category. I view the entire sequence as part of the kill. This is much how it goes into the pacing editing for me that the sequence is what I'm considering um, in this. And because I loved the motorcycle sequence so much, and I loved the overfeeding sequence so much that I gave I would I give it an eight. I looked at it a second ago before you asked me. Uh, an eight. Yeah, I gave it an eight because that's how I was shaping and viewing the category. Um, but to be fair, I would agree with you that if you look at the actual only moment of death, then yes, choking for a few seconds and falling on the table is lame and a car crash is pretty lame. Um, and then I do agree with you that the comic book is lame. There's so much possibility uh, there that they could have done. I like his I liked his costume when he turned into the Ravager, whatever the fuck he called himself. Uh, I always thought that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. But the Lazy actual steampunk. The actual death. Steampunk wasn't even a thing then, okay? Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, that's this brand new. It's like fucking what, 88, 89? Either 89. way. I'm, I'm Googling. Keep going. I'm Googling it. <laughs> Either way, I still. Um, yeah. So I still. I'm counting the whole sequence. You're counting the moment of death. Uh, um, no, I'm including the entire sequence. Like I said, the only sequence that was good was the motorcycle one. But my point is, is that sequence leading up to the actual kill is terrible. Uh, also, uh, 1960s, 1970s, and late teen, in late 1980s as a tongue-in-cheek variant of cyberpunk. Uh, so, bam. Suck wow. my dick. Well, you know. Um, either way, I, I think we're shaping the categories a little bit differently. Um, I would agree with you if you're from the way that I I am understanding you shaping it. But for me, uh, I'm giving them an eight just because they were incredibly entertaining. And I guess, I mean, I guess feeding people to, to death has been done before. So the only real, like, original creative one is the, the morphing of the motorcycle. But I felt that they were all fairly uh, creative in general to me. All right, Scott. Uh, yeah, this one, I'm kind of with Jay. I went with the whole sequence over just like how they ended up at the end. Um, but I ended up giving this a six out of 10. Once again, mainly for the motorcycle sequence, but the, uh, while the kill itself was lame, I did like the whole, uh, Greta's death being like, she's being fed to death while these people are watching and just like chanting her on to eat more and everything. And I thought that was kind of a cool way to do that uh, overfeeding scene. But yeah, six out of 10, it was, if there was more kills, this would have been a lot cooler at least, I think. But with only three kills and these three being the kills, it was kind of blah. Does it bother anyone that, that with Greta, she gets killed from overfeeding, but they never really talk about her having an eating problem. It that comes is just from stereotypical. Her, no, it comes from her mom telling her like what she can and can't eat. Like she talks about it earlier when they're at the pool party. She's like, "Oh no, I can't have any champagne because my mom won't let me have carbs or sugar, or whatever the fuck she's talking about." So it's it's a constant throughout the the little bit yeah, of. Yeah, they make a crack her. at her at the graduation, too. They yeah, but I'll say at the graduation, her mom catches her trying to eat, like, a snack. I just feel like her death should have involved something more with her mother than her mother just watching and laughing as Freddy overfeeds her. 
I think that I agree. Put, yeah, that's fair. They put more into it if it's just it's not executed well enough when they go into when uh, dude's having his 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 comic book thing and he looks up and he sees Freddie and Freddie's doing the whole guts putting it in her mouth that you brought up. But that whole sequence right there is comparing her to a porcelain doll. And they didn't go into it far enough to really uh, accent the whole porcelain doll, you know, I'm just an object kind of thing like they should have. Okay. Well, Can we talk about that uh, that creepy dinner guest who was like, oh yeah, your daughter's body's so hot. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, it was fucking creepy. I'll, I'll give you that. I just... I'm not sure when the dream sequence started, so I don't know if it was real life or dream. Oh, man. With that, with the group of friends that she keeps, I can almost guarantee that that was real. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, Kenneth, what did you give Kills and Gore? I gave it a six, and I probably was being just a little bit too generous on that because, you know, with it only being three of them. But I'm, I'm with uh, Jay and Scott that I the whole the whole sequence i'll do the entire sequence oh, okay I, hold up time out y'all keep saying that i i'm not taking in the whole sequence but i brought up multiple times how i don't even feel like the sequence led into it being good well like i mean like it's a, because when saying, you were when you were talking about it you kind of differentiated you did you kind of no, i was trying to differentiate, differentiate how different this movie did the real life kill Versus the dream and the kill compared to the other movies. Oh, okay. And well, how I actually lame liked that it. is. I actually kind of liked it. I kind of liked it that they that they took the real life kill and put it a little bit more in realism. Believe it or not, I actually did kind of like that. So I still stand on a six because I like that aspect of it, and I like the sequences as well. You know, um, because that's one of those things where it's like, you know, I've always kind of I've always kind of felt like in the other movies, even though it's cool at the same time, I've always felt like that was kind of a plot hole where, you know, how come these, these, these parents are not fucking wondering how their son spontaneously got sucked into a bed. No, I I agree with you. you. I kind of write that off as like, that's a movie thing, you know, like, just like they don't ever explain like, uh, like there was an episode of married with children where the, where Peg and, uh, the two kids, uh, there's a news station talking about how they, how a mother and her two kids were going to jump off the roof of some building, and how there's no real life, real life repercussions from that. But that's it's it's just a movie TV thing, right? And so I accept it, right? So I mean, so that was one of those things that I always kind of, that I always kind of felt like was a a series plot hole. But at the same time, I liked the aspect of in this one that they gave real world reasons for their deaths, like the shelves falling on the kid, and and damn, uh, had had what's her name died, she would have drowned because we we just assumed that she would probably have drowned in the hot tub or the pool. You know, I I kind of like that aspect of it. So that's that was a really awesome. good point. I, I have to give you that. There's a really good point. It's unfortunate that they waited till the fifth shitty movie to do it. Right. Because had they had done that in the beginning, that would have been if they would have done that from the get go, it would have added so much more mystery. It would have been harder for the kids to convince the parents of what's going on. It would have been easier for the parents to live in denial. It would have been a much better thing. 
But to wait till the fucking fifth movie to do it, it's kind of a little too late. And see, when you get, you know, and and the only reason why I'm bringing it up now is because I'm afraid that we're going to forget about it, but we might not. But it kind of goes back and forth in the next one. It's true. Yeah, it does. Like, Like some of them are just like, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, okay, this is real world death. And then there's a couple of them where you're just like, what the fuck? You know? But I mean, I like that aspect of it. I, I, so I mean, like I said, I think I would have probably came down a little bit on the kill because, you know, I think that the acting that Greta did while she was choking, where she looked like a fucking deadite with her arms up when she was choking in the real world, I was just like, okay, that's kind of stupid. But yeah, <laughs> you know, other than that, I I, I kind of liked it, so I gave it a six. All right. Um. I also want to state how fucking stupid it was that the driver in the truck that crashed into Dan came out wearing similar clothes to Freddy. That was yeah, funny. That was not funny. It that was. was. No, it wasn't. It was it fucking was to me. stupid. You know what, one of, what I think one of the dumbest fucking things about that sequence is? What? The fucking truck exploded and that guy is not burned up and neither is Dan. That's true. Um. All right. Monster slash killer. I gave it a four because Freddy looks like an imp. He looks like goddamn Dobby the Elf from Harry Potter grew the fuck up. I bet uh, fucking you could beat him in this movie if you just gave him a fucking sock. (laughs) (laughs) He's not scary in this movie. The fucking feeding scene is just goddamn... Oh my god, it's so hard to watch. When you're just like, this is supposed to be the villain. This, like, I hear people always complain about uh, Super Freddy. I didn't really have a problem with Super Freddy at all. I was waiting for Super Freddy to be like this really corny fucking thing. And it wasn't. It wasn't played up that much. But the fucking feeding scene has ruined Freddy for me. Like, way worse than anything Freddy's ever fucking done. Way worse than him in the pizzeria uh, eating the fucking soul meatball. It's, it's, it's just fucking goddamn awful. And Freddie in this movie just, I don't know what they were trying to go for with him, but God, no, just stop. Jeez. Like, no, I don't even know how to explain it more than that. Give him his fucking sock and let him be free. Okay. <laughs> Jay, go ahead. Um, again, another another uh, another score that I would probably lower. Um, thinking about it, uh, I did give him an eight. Um, not really earned. Now that I'm, you know, listening to, again, you. I'm definitely gonna talk. Well, I don't really like the next movie, so I don't really need to talk to you about it. Actually, because we'll probably agree on a lot of things. I hope um, I love anyway, the next movie. <laughs> some people do when they're like, oh man, it's so much better than the remake. I'm like, no, it's fucking not. But that's besides the point. Um, I gave him an eight. Uh, I felt like he was a lot less silly in this one compared to four. He still had, I mean, Super Freddy. Uh, hey, listen, listen, Super Freddy aside. <laughs> um, like, like he was on the beach in fucking sunglasses in the last one. And this one, at least. He was in like you know, a being chef hat. Over. <laughs> 
I guess he did have a shit hat on. You know what? <laughs> I've got no excuse. On I've got no excuse. I'm stuck with my score because that's our rules. But you know what? You guys are right. It should be lower. So I'm not even going to try and justify it. When I was initially watching it, I was like listening and trying to pick up one-liners. And I felt like overall he was a lot less silly. But you're right. There's just uh, more to being silly than one-liners. So. Like this dude poured champagne to burn his arm off and then use it as a goddamn seatbelt. Okay? Just... Oh, Take yeah. that fucking in. That's and funny. For a moment of time right now, I wish my score was lower than what it is. Uh, well, <laughs> speaking of scores, let me stop ranting and and this shit. Scott, what did you have this rated as? Uh, I gave the monster slash killer a six out of ten. This is uh, where I feel uh, Robert England just. I don't know. He just didn't seem like he was into his character nearly as much as in most of the other films. And like, yep, this is when we get full blown silly Freddy and him uh, exclaiming, it's a boy and all these other silly one liners and the seatbelt and the chef hat and the super Freddy. Oh, there's just so much that I, yeah, I couldn't give it anything more than a six. All right, uh, Kenneth. I gave it a five, and I wish that I was not stuck with my score the more that I think about it. Because, like, the I'm, I'm, I'm with Jerry. That scene where he, the feeding scene is fucking terrible. It is awful. And the more that I think about the spoon on his claw, the more irritated I get. That irritates me more than the fucking chef hat. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it bothered He's me. He's just following s- standard safety precautions for when you're cooking. It's I sanitary. Mean, it, <laughs> it bothered me this morning. It's bothering me now. And the more that I think about it, I mean, the the seatbelt thing. I don't. I don't understand. I, I I don't understand that. I think that was fucking dumb. Um, the scene close to the end of it, where he fucking, where for some reason, when 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 he's getting attacked. By all the fucking uh, the, by the hundred maniacs, only one arm gets ripped off, and then he basically just ties it back on with the fucking sleeve of his sweater. I was just like, that's fucking dumb. The damn the the way that he sounds is fucking stupid because they don't add the deep the deep part of it like they did in the previous movies in this one, so it fucking sounds stupid. His fucking makeup looks god awful. I mean, if if I could change my score, I'd probably put it at a one. Oh damn. damn. Because wow. the more that I think about it, the more awful it gets. And the only reason why I would give it a one instead of a zero is because I still love Robert England. Because it was shit. just fucking awful. And you can't say anything about Super Freddy because that wasn't Robert England. Right. Okay. It wasn't? No. It was his voice. Yeah, that it was, was it. his voice, but another actor played. Oh, Super I Freddy. figured they just gave him a bunch of. Uh... Also, there's another actor who plays Freddy in this movie. Uh, at some point towards the end, there's a shot of like just Freddy's hand with the glove, and it's not Robert Englund. Hmm. Yeah, bitch, I study. Um, <laughs> Good for you. Just like that's why I know that. Lisa Wilcox did not do her nude scenes. And Freddie only says bitch twice in this movie. And it sounds yeah. awful when he says it. It does. Um, yeah. Like that spot where where 
what what is it? We'll see, bitch, or some shit like that, where he's talking to fucking Amanda. I was just like, oh my god. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's go into hero. Uh, I gave it a four because she's just as boring in this one as she was in the last. But at least in this one, she has a struggle against Freddy, unlike the last one where she didn't. Um, so I gave it a four. She's boring as shit. Uh, Jay. Uh, again, uh, just overall thinking about the movie while we're talking, a score I'd probably go lower, but I was not as gracious as some of the other categories in this list. Uh, I gave her a seven, uh, just because, you know, it wasn't, it, it was more of the same, but it wasn't too terrible. I don't even feel it was more of the same because she you literally didn't use any of the superpowers she previously had. <laughs> she was just boring still. Yeah, that's fair. All right, Scott. Uh, I'm with you there, Jerry. I gave it a four just because, yeah, she wasn't. She really, I didn't even feel like she was really even the hero in this one. It almost felt like, once again, a combination of Amanda Kruger and jacob and alice together and like once again alice really didn't do much where jacob and amanda kruger are the ones that kind of took out freddie in the end and eh. technically it was yvonne for setting amanda kruger free oh that is true but yeah i, I just gave it a four Not, there was no real definable hero in this one i felt yeah all right kenneth i gave yvonne a five <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why I gave Ivana five is because she seems like the only person that can follow fucking instructions. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Even though literally the whole Yvonne, like her going and doing that is just like part three with fucking the doctor, doctor. dude going and yeah. digging up the corpse. And that's who I said was the hero in three. That's true. You <laughs> did. Uh, Score, soundtrack, I gave it a three. I thought the motorcycle music is awful. The Looney Tunes music that randomly plays really ruins it. I I could not get into the score for for this fucking thing. I gave it a three because at least they changed a little bit of the jump rope song. So it was something slightly new. Uh, other than that, I really didn't give a shit. Jay? Uh, I gave the score a seven. Um, just standard slasher music um this one is one of the harder categories for me too so unless it unless it really pissed me off um you know or really stood out it kind of falls i guess for the middle i should put it more at a five or six if that's how i feel i've got to i've got to take some time and look at how i personally score these things (laughs) it's a Uh, it's a growing process but uh it, it ended up with a seven thinking about it again man Maybe we should put in some kind of amendment where if the other person convinces somebody enough, they can change their score. I don't know how bad I, I it fucks up your. To... I don't know how bad it fucks up your process, but uh, maybe. Well, here's the thing. I don't. I think the good. If I, I think it's enough that we go. You know what? You convinced me. You know I would have changed. Just admitting it, I think, is good enough. That's fair. Yeah, that's um, a good. I don't good think point. we need to add extra math into this. That's fair. I like, uh, I like the soundtrack. fact that we're stuck with scores. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Score and soundtrack, I gave a seven. Uh, but again, something I probably would have rated. I'm going to start. Actually, I'm going to keep that in mind now for, for both movies uh, and any future horror costumes. If if something doesn't 
feel amazing, but it also doesn't feel fat, bad, I'm probably just going to throw a five at it. Yeah. To, to be fair, I, I have a hard time with music soundtrack also. That's that's probably my hardest category. Well, I mean, uh, like, looking at the rest of the categories, like, honestly, the story, again, to me, not really bad, but also not really amazing. Five is fair. Uh, a lot of these categories. Uh, special effects is probably one of the only scores I would actually keep the same. Yeah, they all, but you have to be careful if you start using fives all the time. Because then it's just like, oh, he's always right in the middle. So you have yeah, to be that's... careful. Of, you got to throw your fives in, like, in certain... Like, the fives should be used almost like tens. Like, rarely. But sometimes you just have to do it. Maybe not as hardcore as tens, but sometimes you have to do it. Okay. I'll, I'll, I kind of do the... Uh, folks. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I kind of do, like, the uh, Mr. Watson style, where he starts off with a five, and then will add a point or take away a point as the movie goes on. Well, I do love Mr. Watson. But that's not a bad Don't idea, we all? actually, for the way my brain works. That's not a bad idea at all. Yeah, that's true. I would like right. to love Mr. Watson. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Uh, <laughs> check out our shows voice. we've done with Mr. Watson, selfless, shameless promotion. Check out our Last House on the Left review. And that my one is awesome. Yeah, and oh, I still you. maintain our Last House on the Left review is better than everyone else's last house on the left review. I'll put it up against anyone's. And I didn't even get to be a part podcast. of it. That's true. Yeah. You should um, listen to it. It's it's fucking great. And my interview with Watson and check out Watson on Horror Corridor. It's balling. Great fucking uh podcast. But let's get back to the point. Scott, what is your rating for score slash soundtrack? I gave this a three out of ten. Um mainly because this didn't even try to attempt to keep the typical Nightmare on Elm Street theme with like the do do I, I, actually I can't even do it off the top of my head, but like the typical theme that you hear in almost every one of the movies, and it's not even in this one. And most of the music is forgettable. And the only reason it gets a three is just because of the cheesy rap song at the end. Okay, fair enough. Uh Kenneth. Gave it a seven. I thought it was good. I uh, I enjoyed the fact that, that it wasn't typical, but it also wasn't one of those things that, you know, gave me emotion in my chest and made me want to get teary like some music tends to do, no matter what emotion it conveys. Um, but it just, it, you know, it wasn't something absolutely fantastic, but it, it didn't run in the middle either. And I think the reason why I got a couple of extra points is just because of that fact that it wasn't the run of the mill, you know, typical melody for a nightmare film. So, yeah, well, yeah. And here's my problem. Don't much like you shouldn't reference another movie. It's a better movie inside of your shitty movie. There are two different points in time in this movie where I all of a sudden want to watch Looney Tunes once because it was playing Looney Tunes music. And the diving board scene, it kept making me think of the uh, the Bugs Bunny versus Yosemite Sam diving board episode. <laughs> oh, just wait till next movie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Scare factor. I gave it a one because nothing was scary at all. Like, I'm deathly afraid of cars and your car shit didn't even scare me because you burned off your arm with champagne to use it as a fucking buckle. Pretty sure the car had a fucking buckle in it you could have used. Anyway, nothing was scary about this movie. Even trying to put myself in characters' positions 
I just couldn't. I could not do it for this movie. I I tried, but I, I scare factor is a one. Jay. Uh, I gave it a seven. Um, I feel like I've been using sevens where I want to use fives, and I need to find a different a different number uh, for when I think situation. things are just kind of okay. In this category, it should be lower than a five, homie. Well, that's that's you guys' opinion. Like, uh, you really again, found that found parts of this movie scary? No, other than other than I one. Didn't listen, so listen, listen. This category is notoriously hard for me to to score um, because it's very hard for me to put myself in people's situations and feel an emotion without actually being in this. Like, even when my wife asked me, she's like, "How would you feel if so and so and so?" And it could be something as simple as. If I put a cheeseburger in front of you or something as complicated as like if we could never have kids, like it's so hard for me to 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 guess how I'm going to feel without actually being in a situation that I have a hard time being scared by watching other people in a situation. I know logically nothing is going to happen to me by watching these people interact. So this category is very hard for me to score. Um, I thought the shower filling up and her almost drowning was pretty good. I feel like I would be pretty freaked out if I was in a situation like that. Um, I don't like deep water. Uh, Abyss is probably the scariest movie I've ever watched just because it all takes place thousands of feet under the water. We are um, totally going to do that on this show. Oh, yeah. I fucking love the. I love the movie. It's just... Have I seen The Abyss? When people ask me, like, what am I well afraid better. of? I'm like, super deep water. I don't like it. Uh, little fun side tidbit. Uh, Tomb Raider 2 or 3, I can't remember, there is a stage where you escape on, you grab like the end of a submarine and you're pulled into water and the ne very next stage you have to swim away from a shark to a certain point on the map to trigger the next that. sequence. And I couldn't do it. I had to hand the control. I was like, you have to do the sequence. I My anxiety was way too high to fucking play that sequence. Um, so water's always fucked with me. So that one, you know, is a little bit scary. Again, I wrote this score when earlier I felt like he was less jokey, but then as we've talked, obviously he's as jokey, if not a little bit more in this one. Um, and so that's that's kind of where I'm at with that one. But again, this is one I would probably lower after talking about the movie. All right. Update, I have not seen The Abyss. I was thinking of Leviathan. Oh, it's so good. It's more sci-fi than horror, but it's so good. Well, we'll put it on the we'll put it on the list. Uh, Scott, what did you give Scare Factor? Uh, Scare Factor, I, I ended up giving. <laughs> I ended up giving Scare Factor a three out of ten. Um, the only scene and the only reason I gave it a three out of ten is because the motorcycle scene when I was younger creeped me out because my dad would always pick me up and we would go riding around on his motorcycle and it just kind of it kind of got under my skin because I would ride right on the back of the motorcycle and I would think that that like my mind would just wander off and I'd think that would happen. Okay. I could see that. Uh, Kenneth. I gave it a two because of the Amanda Kruger, you know, getting raped by a hundred dudes. That was about it. That was the only thing that I found to be scary. Other than that, it wasn't, it was like watching a cartoon and not even an enjoyable one. Cause I love Looney Tunes. All right. Uh, entertainment, uh, I gave it a three. The movie is boring and uninteresting to me. Uh, there's enough visual appeal to to not make it get a one. I can definitely think of worse movies, but uh, this is a, this it's it's pretty low for me. Uh, Jay, 
Uh, entertainment, I gave it eight. Uh, this one I'm actually sticking by uh, because I don't really know how else to rate this besides personal entertainment, and the movie entertains me. Um, I like all the sequences, um, regardless of whether or not I think they're stupid. So they're the movie itself is still entertaining to me. So that one I'm sticking by. I, I would absolutely give it an eight, and I, yeah. Okay, Scott? Uh, entertainment for me, I gave a two out of ten. I was not even slight. The only slight entertainment I had was Robert England as Freddy Krueger, just because even when he's on screen, he's entertaining to watch. But there was no enjoyment whatsoever out of this film for me. All right, Kenneth. I gave it a two. I mean, because of the entertainment factor. I mean, the only reason why I gave it a two instead of a one or a zero is because if I was flipping through the channels and I saw it. I'd probably leave it on in the background while I clean my house or something. That's probably about it. All right. Um, we go into rewatchability. I gave it a three because, yeah, that's not happening. Uh, unless I have to review it for something, not happening. Uh, Jay? Seven. I would rewatch this list just like Friday Five. I would rewatch this one to seven out of ten. Um, it's not my favorite. It's not my least hated. Um, but... Typically, when I'm doing if I if if I'm doing a marathon, typically I'll do three, four, and five uh, just because of the interconnecting story. Um, if I have limited time, if I'm not like marathoning them all. All right, Scott. Uh, rewatchability one. I will never watch this again unless it's for a podcast. Fair enough, Kenneth. I gave it a three, and it's pretty much the same reason as the entertainment. I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, I could. It's not that I couldn't rewatch this movie. It's not bad enough to where I couldn't rewatch it, you know, because I could. You know, it's not one of those things that I'm one hundred percent going to completely dread and avoid at all costs because I didn't with this one. I just put it off as long as I could, but it's not one of those that I completely dread. I mean, I could sit through it again. You know what I'm saying, but. Uh, would I pick it out of the entire series to watch again? Probably not. So I gave it a three. All right. We move on to pop culture. And it's uh, funny enough how Jay was talking about how he should give fives because he's kind of... I had to give pop culture a five because I honestly don't know. I literally have no idea what either the fan base or the non-horror fan base, regular people, think about this movie. Is this the one known for ruining the series, or is that the next one? I, which one's considered the one that ruined the series? I literally do not know. The remake. I, Everyone hates the remake. Well, I, but that didn't ruin the series. Like I suppose like, that's people talked talked about it being ruined long before that. But I just don't. I literally don't know. I don't know how to 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 uh, score this at all. So I had to give it a five. Um, Kenneth. I mean, not Kenneth. Jay. <laughs> I was like uh, switching it up there, Jer. Uh, I gave it an eight, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a that it's a good movie, but it is often talked about when discussions of the series are brought up as being uh, fairly bad in general. You know, it has its fans, but uh, the and the motorcycle scene, regardless how you feel about the other movie, still sticks out as I think one of the best sequences in the entire series um despite some of the silly things like the seatbelt but 
but yeah, so that's that's why I gave it an eight. All right, um, Scott. All right, for pop culture, I ended up giving this a seven out of ten because I feel this is the height of Freddy's popularity because this is right around the time of Freddy's Nightmares, that TV series, and he basically was a. Uh, this was like right off the heels of part four, which I believe was the highest grossing of the films. And so, yeah, that's kind of why I gave this a setup seven out of 10. Cause at this point, everybody knew Freddie. Okay. That's, that's a good eye. Kenneth. I gave it a seven also. And the reason being is because I kind of feel like the same way that he did where, you know, it's kind of riding the wave of three and four. Um, so, you know, it came out right after the fourth one, you know, it was, it was specifically made to ride that wave and everybody knows it is the movie, you know, isn't there, isn't there a Freddie movie where Freddie had a baby, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, I mean, it's popular for, if not anything else for that reason alone is because of how absurd, you know, the Freddie having a baby thing is. And people know this movie because of its absurdity. Okay. Well, with that being said, we're going to yawn out. Fuck. Okay. Here are the scores. Jerry gave it a 52. Kenneth gave it a 72. Jay gave it 111. And Scott gave it a 60. So, Jay comes in the highest with 111. Only one point higher than his Friday the 13th score. Yep. I'm glad Uh, I I redid the math. Yeah, I came in the lowest with 52. Um, those ones really hurt. Uh, yeah. Scores. Um, I think I got out all of my questions. So I do want to point out props to this. If I could have had a bonus category for this one, bonus category would have been plus points, uh, for calling Freddie a child molester in a news clipping. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. <laughs> in the movie, I originally had written down, um, so this one, he just murdered kids and isn't a child molester yet. Because uh, they talk about how he murdered kids. But then there's a news clipping article that says he is a child molester. That's probably left over from the original, because that was the original plan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so I just wanted to point that out. But other than that, I think I answered all my... I, I was able to put all my questions inside the 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 categories for once. Uh, so with that being said, uh, Friday easily takes this one. Yeah. It was... It was Barely I tried, a, a Freddy. Battle. Uh, yeah, this was like no contest. Unfortunately, Jay t- tried, but uh, Freddie didn't. It seems <laughs> uh, that uh, that really didn't happen. Uh, so, with that being said, Friday is in the lead. Uh, next horror coliseum will be Friday the Thirteenth Part Six: Jason Lives versus uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Six: Freddy's Dead. Is that the name? Yep. Okay. I to tell you Actually, it's just called Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare. There is no part attached to it. Oh well, I mean, there's no part in in most of the fucking nightmare movies. No, that's not it's... true. They're up until like the first five are numbered. No, 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 no. But I, I meant like using the word part. Oh, I got you. Okay. Because they just do five. Like Friday the Thirteenth kept with the part, except yeah. actually number five didn't. Friday the Thirteenth. Five is actually Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. It does not have part, and it does not have five in the title. Really? I could have sworn. Yep. Yep. If you look at it, when it comes on the screen, 
Uh, it just says Friday the 13th, a new beginning. Interesting. So, fair enough. Uh, so, with that being said, uh, the next one will be coming. I believe uh, Six will have Jerry Cortez on here, um, who does Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space with me. But, Scott, let's go ahead and say thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for agreeing with me a lot. Uh, I appreciate that. That's the way to get back on this show is agreeing <laughs> with me. Um, so, uh, pimp out your shit real quick, man. Tell, tell the people what you do and where you're at. Yeah. How much for a blowy? <laughs> that too. <laughs> well, thank you guys very much for having me. This was a lot of fun and I hope to do this again with you guys sometime down the road. But, uh, yeah, you can check out our show. We are the podcast by the cemetery. We are on Legion Network, so you can go to Legion uh, LegionPodcast.com and find us there. We have a Facebook group that's uh, the Podcast by the Cemetery, and uh, that's pretty much it. Oh, you can also check out my articles that I write for PopHorror.com where I cover a lot of video game stuff because they created a video game section on their website. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. Me and Jay met through video games. That's true. That's true. And I share your guys' love love for video games, because that's pretty much my life, that and horror movies. Jerry actually let me advertise the online store I had at the time in his group that doesn't allow selling. That was pretty nice of him. That's true. Uh, Look at Jerry being nice once in a while. (laughs) I'm nice all the time, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I didn't yell at you like I yelled at Derek, so... Oh, yeah, that was... <laughs> Derek knows I love him. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I don't know uh, when the next episode of Kill the Cast is going to be. Maybe this coming Sunday. Maybe the next Sunday after that. Who fucking knows? Because I, my life's a wreck and I'm trying to fucking fix it. And being diabetic sucks dick. Yeah, it and, does. Uh, it is the fucking worst. But I'm keeping with this diet so that I can... Stay sane and not kill myself and do more podcasts for you wonderful people out there. Um, and uh, also, I got to say, Scott, I was looking at my uh, Angela figure for Night of the Demons. That yeah. paint job fucking sucks on her face. Really? I'm I, dude, I was looking now. at... She looks like she is missing her middle teeth because the red from her lipstick is covering up her two fucking front teeth on mine. And, like, the eyes, like, when you look at the picture on the back, the eyes are yellow with a red dot, but on the figure, they're just red. And, like, it's, like, like, on the box, it looks like she has eyeshadow, but on this one, it looks like someone just took a paintbrush and just globbed her eye fucking red. Like, it's all over her fucking eyebrows and shit. Yeah, because, uh, mine has red eyes, too, but the teeth look fine for me. Yeah, I'm gonna. I don't know if I should contact Screamer Neck and be like, "What the fuck, guys?" At this point, that, I, th- I think I just don't care. Yeah, because that's just kind of lazy paint job right there. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Maybe I'll just blast Neck on Twitter for the fuck of it. I ain't playing with these cats no more. Uh, also, uh, I want to say thank you to Jay for my pumpkin head uh, T-shirt. I, I did wear it on Halloween, but I got sick on Halloween, so I didn't actually do anything. But I did wear it. Yeah, and it looks fucking. Awesome. I'm so I'd like to to whatever company that was that you had me order it from. Uh, in the special instructions, it was like any special instructions. I was like, write a note that says "Happy Birthday, Jerry," and I didn't think they'd do it, but they did it. Someone took a little a scrap piece of paper and hand wrote "Happy Birthday, Jerry" and put it in the package with the shirt. So yeah, 
so good on the them. the company is Cavity Colors. Yes, good job, Cavity. Um, I have I have like a couple of uh, enamel pins by them. I've got Cavity Color socks. Um, in fact, they had uh, these three Halloween bookmarks, and normally they only give one per order. But they actually gave me all three variants, and I'm pretty sure it's because of Jay telling them that it was my birthday. And so really? they awesome. my birthday sign and gave me all three bookmarks. Oh, I've, nice. I've got like an Evil Dead bookmark from them. Um, they do kind of cool shit like that. And I've got some enamel pens. I mostly order enamel pens from them um, like because I've got a Howling and an Elvira and a pumpkin head from them. Uh, I really dig them. Uh, they put out wonderful shirts. I actually want some of their stuff, but it's sold out. They have some void uh, shirts for the void. I really dig. So check out Cavity Colors. They're fucking awesome. I, I I super stand behind the shirt. The shirt I have is wonderful. The enamel pins I have are awesome, and they have all kind of cool stuff. Like they've got uh, disc mats for record players and like candles and shit. There's all kind of cool stuff. Check out Cavity Colors. One hundred percent great company. Love them. Um, with that being said, check us out on Facebook, all that stuff. I'll eventually update the YouTube channel and get, we'll get back to making YouTube videos. Like I said, life's been kind of hectic for everyone. Uh, but we're getting back in the groove, getting back into things. Uh, happy four year anniversary to us. Thank you, Kenneth and Jay for continuing to, uh, be on the show with me. I know it's hard. I mean, I know you get hard while we record. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I was hard the whole time. before I was going to say it. Yeah. Um, and, and thank you for everyone who listens and who posts in the Facebook group. Shout out to everyone. I, I really want to have some of the uh, guys in the group on the podcast who don't really do podcasts. Abraham, I'm looking at you, Ram Man. You need to come on and we need to cover some metal ass. You need to come on. We need to do like Deathgasm or something. Oh, Deathgasm is so fun. So I'm throwing it down. Movie. Abraham. The Ram Man, let me know if you want to come on for Deathgasm and we'll make it happen. Uh, fun tidbit, um, the main skinny dude is actually a Power Ranger. Yep. Is he the one that stabbed someone? No, no. I, you, I think I've mentioned this before and you've asked me the same question. That person is in jail. Uh-huh. Okay. I just, I don't know. Maybe he filmed it before he fucking went to jail. Yeah, that's fair. But no, no. He was a Green Ranger in the RPM series. Uh, I only <laughs> fuck with Super Sentai, so... Go fuck yourself. Uh, so, uh, with that being said, guys, we are out of here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for hanging out for the Horror Coliseum. Thank you for Scott for coming on. Uh, thank you, uh, Attempted Suicide, for saving my life. Um, I'm telling you, man, that is the name of our book. Yeah, Attempted Suicide Saved My Life. Me and Jay are going to put out a poetry book in 2019. That is not a joke. It's dead serious. Um, awesome. And with that being said, I think we're out of here. It's been almost three fucking hours. And I would like to get out of here before it is three hours. Uh, So thank you, everyone, for joining us. We love y'all. Have a good day or night or whatever you're doing. Uh, If you uh, need help, reach out to people who actually give a shit. And if they share, uh, repost this number on Facebook for suicide awareness, they don't actually give a shit. Don't, Don't contact those people. Contact the people that tell you secrets that they really shouldn't tell you. Those people give a shit. That's who you uh, want to talk message to. Message me on Facebook, and I will answer you. I don't care yeah. who you are, if we're friends or not. You can f- go to our group, uh, find my page, message me. I will just be like, hey, I need to talk, and I will always answer you. Same. Yeah. We are here for you. Uh, fuck life, get cats. 
uh, that kind of shit. I love uh, my cat. I just rescued another kitten. Outside, yeah, you did. So, so well, cute. And it's like Jerry dorm. knows me. I have five cats now. Exactly. So we're out of here. Thank you and good night. And hopefully the next Nightmare movie is better. Don't no, pick up not. the clear condoms off the street.